Howdy Podcast. Welcome to the podcast of Saturday, December 1st, 2012. It's Christmas month! That's right. I officially could have worn my Santa hat outside today, it's but true. I chose and not today, to. And uh, today, the Navy is decommissioning the Enterprise, whatever that ship is, the aircraft carrier, whatever the hell people only care about because it's called the Enterprise. <laughs> it's being decommissioned today, but they also announced that they are building a new ship called the Enterprise. Hopefully it does not get sucked in. You've never seen Star Trek Next I was going to say, go ahead and make some jokes, Bill. Well, supposedly, uh, I guess Bill Shatner, I call him front of the, front of the podcast, Bill Shatner. <laughs> he was going to attend uh, the Enterprise decommissioning ceremony today. Sure. Something happened in the last couple of days. He's like, you know what? I can't fit into my schedule. I'm like, Bill Shatner, what do you got? <laughs> you 80-year-old potato chip motherfucker. What do you got? You can't attend the decommissioning ceremony. He has to make another Twitter-themed sitcom. He's very occupied, man. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, how you doing? I'm doing all right. This is Annie. This is, that's Bill. I'm Bill. I'm in a well. Actually, I shouldn't be in a well. We've been messing more with recording techniques this week, so hopefully I shouldn't sound totally terrible. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's Christmas month. God Christmas damn. Christmas month. 2000, is it 2012? 2012 is almost over. Yeah. Fuck that shit. So Christmas is on its way. My wife gave me her, my Christmas present early because she's hilarious. You guys never, you guys do this. You guys give birthday and Christmas gifts to each other like a month in advance. She's, and so yeah. when your birthdays and or Christmas show up, you guys end up buying a second round of gifts. Because like every time. Because it's like, well, what are we going to do now? Well, so this happened this one, because Foley's birthday is on the 26th of, yeah. of, of November. Jesus so Christ. she, um, I gave her her birthday presents a month early. She got these really nice lumberjack boots. Hold on, I got to take my gummy vitamin. Go ahead. <laughs> um, a really nice western snap shirt, and I got her a necklace, and I got them all, gave them all to her a month early, so then on her day of oh, birth. Oh, so you did do that. Yeah. yeah. So what, like late October? Her day of birth, she, I was like, shit. So I went out and got her flowers, and now all week I've been like... Uh, this is for your birthday. You get to have that. Like, we went out and got a Dremel. She's like, it's your birthday Dremel. So let's do it. Let's go to Dairy Queen. Yeah. So she gave me my Christmas present early. She gave it's, me... a mo- it's like you guys have birthday Christmas Ramadan, where it's not just like a single day, but it's like a month <laughs> of gifts. Just an unending. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we can't afford to buy gifts for anyone else, because we're doing this bullshit for I each know. other. I know. So we, um. Jesus Christ. We, she got me this fucking, she got me an actual plaque. That has little, um, like, engravings on it for real-life achievement points. But it's only, like, a third full, because yeah. you're seeing well, it's keeping... two-thirds full. Is it for your whole life? Or yeah. just for, like, the next year? It's life achievos. What's the it's final... The Does she know what life. the final achievos gonna be? Like, outlived me. Love fully. <laughs> That's it. No, she's not planned, but it's, like, for any, any, any achievements in our lives that we think are momentous, we can add to the plot. Have you seen Out of Sight? I was flipping no. out about this week. Yes, you were flipping out about The main character's week. name is Foley. Is it? Hey! Well, you love Haywire. Yes. Which is, I didn't realize it's directed by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Oh, totally, it's a Soderbergh film. It's George Clooney at his height of his George Clooney powers, Mm -hmm. playing a character named We both watched Soderbergh movies this week. I watched Magic Mike. Ew. Yeah, that was actually my response to it. I never want to see a man butt again (laughs) for the rest of my life. Well, how was it? Was it good? It was good. I'm not even saying that because it's about, isn't it Channing Tatum? Yes. As a male stripper? Yes. But I just don't like Channing Tatum. I don't either. I feel like I should hand in my boy gazing card because I am immune to both Channing Tatum and Ryan Gosling. Those are both two. Ryan Gosling, I don't see him sexy, but he's very much, he's the Spike Spiegel of Hollywood actors right now. He's He's the new, 
Who's the guy from The Matrix? Bill Ted's Excellent Adventure. Keanu Reeves. He's the new Keanu Reeves where he just kind of stands there and kind of looks slightly kind of brooding. But he's a he's more, not an actor. He's a more, I think he's a much more uh, nuanced actor than, than Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah, he is. He but... has dumb dead eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I can't get into it. Channing Tatum Which has sleepy eyes. Who has the ultimate dumb dead eyes? We've talked about this a couple times on the podcast. Have we? The dumb dead Godzilla eyes. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> so much you can't refocus afterwards before the podcast i told bill news and this may be like hearsay but my friend grigsby told me that michelle rodriguez turned down a role in the female expendables movie because quote she doesn't have enough experience (laughs) which is the biggest pile of bullshit i've ever heard in my life because i think what she she and shatner they're, 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 they're too busy working they're on They're making this. a Tumblr-based stage play. <laughs> That's it. Oh, my God. Yeah, fuck those two guys. Yeah. No, but, like, uh, so I was watching On a Whim. I, I saw Out of Sight just got added to Netflix Instant. Have yeah. You, so you've never seen this before. Yeah. So Steven Soderbergh. I know of it. I know most of it takes place in a car. It's one of my wife's. No, 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 no. In the it's, trunk of a car. <laughs> no, it's like, like the first, like, five minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's not like No, I know. If it took place mostly in the trunk of a car, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, 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 it's really good. It's, um, the only reason I kind of bring this up with the Channing Tatum stuff is because I was really astounded how, uh, the chemistry between George Clooney and J-Lo, Jennifer yeah. Lopez, which yeah. is funny because when I was writing the show notes for this week, I couldn't remember J- Jennifer Lopez's name, so I just wrote Taco Taco Taco. <laughs> Racist. That's terrible. And you've seen South Park. Say, exactly. That is not just racism. That is a South Park reference. Taco, 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 Does that make it better? Uh, no, it doesn't. But it's still hilarious. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, so George Clooney is playing this guy named Foley, who's a bank robber, who's being chased by uh, this lady who who ends up falling in love with him, played by Jennifer Taco. <laughs> And uh, she, she's looks. a federal marshal who looks really good in pumps and a, and a slit skirt yeah. and a shotgun. Yeah. You're like, mm, how Does you this doing? mean you're excited about Parker? What the hell's Parker? Parker? I you never cared about Parker's... Jennifer Lopez until I saw Out of Sight. Let's Parker is way. the, this coming January is Jason Statham movie and what? it has Jennifer Lopez in it. Oh, fuck that shit. Jennifer Statham's fine. Jennifer Statham? <laughs> is that your couple name? That's what you want to Jay Statham? <laughs> Uh, but no, out of sight, man, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a great scene where it's, I mean, they have, uh, George Clooney and, uh, J-Lo have great chemistry together. I've always heard about how hot this movie is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is one of the movies I was like, wow, this is actually, there's this great scene where they, they're kind of like, they meet in a hotel and they're kind of like talking and kind of flirting and it cross cuts between them actually also making out, but like non-linearly. Yeah. Like, they'll be in the middle of a conversation, and you see them suddenly, like, what seems to be, like, later on that night, kind of, like, making out and stuff. Yeah. And just kind of cross-cutting in this very kind of, like, uh, impressionistic kind of way. Yeah. Which really kind of creates this... It's just great. It's... Yeah. The movie doesn't take itself seriously, but it's yeah. more about feeling than telling, yeah. like, a linear story, which is really nice. And uh, I guess Soderbergh is, knows his shit. Well, this is uh, the first movie that Steven Soderbergh did, I guess, after doing Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which mm-hmm. was his big indie breakout hit. Mm-hmm. And I guess his agent was like, Steven Soderbergh, you got, you, you're a good movie maker, but we need you to do something that's like commercial. That's a big yeah. hit. And he was like, well, I'll do this thing, but I'll still make it kind of like, give it like a little bit of an indie aesthetic in terms of like kind of how hot stuff it's going to be. But like, I love for like a big goofy action crime keeper movie. It's still, 
got that kind of like indie sensibility, which actually gives it gives it its, its, its extra edge. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like the writing, it's it's a crime keeper, but it's very kind of wacky. Yeah, it's almost like a nineteen forties era. Who's the guy from North? You expected me, yeah, um, Cary Grant, Grant and, very kind of Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, it could have. That's you. You almost, this movie almost feels like a remake of it. Yeah, yeah, Grant and Hepburn movie. Yeah, but it's real. I don't want to oversell it, but I've always heard good things about it, and I saw it on a whim this week. I was like, oh, this is actually a good movie. And, but on a whim, uh, when I was firing up the Wii U last week, the first movie I just decided to check Netflix with was Haywire. So it was still mm-hmm. up in my recently viewed thing. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as Out of Sight was over, I said, oh, fuck it, I'll watch some Haywire too. I forgot Haywire's directed by Steven Soderbergh yeah. too. It's totally and I was like, oh, shit, film. that's right. So this is, this, is, this is fate that I would watch Out of Sight and Haywire back to back. Yeah. And opening of Haywire is Channing Tatum yeah. and Gina Carano together. Yeah. And they have the opposite of chemistry. Where Gina Carano, I've already stated that she's very cute. She's a total uh-huh. badass. Not much of an actress. Channing Tatum, kind of an actor, but still just kind of a big piece of lunch meat. Yeah. And like their conversation after watching all this hot, awesome energy between uh, Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney. And then it's these two guys just going, hey, how are you doing? I love soup. Okay. It was just like it's just, it just shows how much the stars. Those two movies. I know you can't. Well, they're two, also two entirely different movies. Like Haywire hey, is essentially like like a Jason Bourne movie. Yeah, but not even that. It's it's like a dumb Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Yeah, it's like that's really what, every time you guys are like, oh, like when you go off and you're thinking about, I hate what they call cities, and it's like an experience of bullshit. Like, ah, uh, this movie doesn't have but good acting. It is cliche. a movie where you punch people, Bill. It is yeah. a punch movie. No, it's trying to be a Jason Bourne movie. It's not doing a very good Job, I, it is not trying to be. A I don't think it's trying movie. to be a bad. It is Jean-Claude trying to be. We're talking about Haywire. I don't think it's trying to be a bad. I think it's just trying to be a distillation of those have, movies. I haven't seen you since Barcelona, but what yeah. about Dublin? Oh, Bill, I haven't what fucked do you a chicken want them like to that? say? If you want to go to Haywire for good dialogue, you are going to have a bad time. At least Bill, out of the sight. talking just happens to give you gaps between the punches. <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> it's like if you go to Judge Dredd and you're like, I oh, I thought this was in the jungle. Where's the trees? Oh, no trees. B minus. Uh, Haywire, Steven Soderbergh's Prometheus. <laughs> Let's talk about Prometheus. <laughs> no, Magic so... Mike. Here's my one sentence. Yeah, Magic, Magic Mike. Mike. Magic Mike is a movie where um, a baby pig eats vomit out of a man's mouth. What? It happens in Magic Mike. <laughs> so this is the thing with Magic Explain. Mike. Explain. Magic Mike, they realized, what is, which of these two concepts is more marketable? Hot men stripping or... Which, for a lot of people, that would not be marketable because... Well, that's, it depends on your demographic. Or um, a um, a story about an aging, an, a person, a person, pig barfing farmer. <laughs> I'm like trying to what? think how to how to put it into just a general archetype, like an age, a person who is aging out of their choice of sh- shady profession, yeah. and all of the negative aspects of their lifestyle is starting to creep up on them, and because it's really for all like intents and purposes it's about sight. a drug drilling, drug could be drug dealing or like. Um, like, I mean, it's like, it's all about like this shady life that is going to burn Catching you out like a person, candle. Yeah. yeah. And you got to figure out how to get out of it. But and you're talking, kinda... that's Martin Sheen's character, right? He's getting tired of stripping Martin Sheen. Cause I'm making a joke. Cause he's like 90 years old. And he played uncle Ben in the last Spider-Man movie. Martin Sheen. Why would you make a joke about Martin Sheen? Cause he's old movie? and it's funny to talk about how he's just starting <laughs> to think about giving up stripping. I think real hard. <laughs> I'm still sick enough. Okay. So this, I got over this cold. I'm still kind of struggling with it, but it's making me. 
And I, last week I said it's making me, I feel like I'm getting dumb. It's because this cold actually bottomed out. You're looking my... at me like a dog that I just showed a card trick to. <laughs> I know. My brain is just incapable. Bill, you can't really be doing your thing where you're talking to me and then you jingle something like noisy yeah. out of the corner of my eye because I'm going to zip to it every time and just be baffled. Who's the guy from Kingdom of Heaven that I like is also named Sheen? Martin Sheen? No! Did I say Michael Sheen? Martin Sheen. That's what I meant to say. You did. I think you did say. I don't even know. Martin. Michael Sheen is. He's the his really awesome actor who is hilarious and great. Yeah. And everything. He played gay David Bowie in Tron Evolution. Yes, he did. Yeah. He's the only watchful part of the Twilight films. Oh, did you yeah. see? He's the best part of that terrible Underworld movie that's about the what, werewolves and vampires back in time. So wait, did you see the last Twilight movie? Because you were talking about how you'd watch I a Twilight watched. movie. I watched two Twilight movies, and the second one was so ov- overtly, offensively bad yeah. that I couldn't... Um, so Michael Sheen, not Martin Sheen. My, oh, no, no wonder you weren't looking at me like I was crazy. Did you say, about... I don't even know what you I said. I meant to say Martin Sheen being I genuinely old. don't know. You could have said either and I wouldn't have understood so which one you're talking about. <laughs> no, but like, uh, there was a thing online where somebody actually put up like the climactic confrontation between all the good guys and the bad guys from yeah. the last Twilight movie onto YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I guess the head bad guy in the new Twilight movie is played by Michael Sheen. He's been the head bad guy for the last couple I of movies. I don't know. But like. But there's a one part where he's like menacing. I guess who are the main two good dudes from Twilight? Larry Dude, and Cindy. Cindy. Larry and Cindy have a kid. <laughs> Meanwhile, like Bob the Brown guy is like staring all lust because he wants to fuck Cindy the little girl. Because I guess that's cool in the Twilight universe. But anyway, Michael Sheen, not Martin Sheen from The West Wing. Michael Sheen so from confused. Tron. He's all like, "Hello, little girl. I'm going to threaten you, even though your parents are still here." <laughs> he does this weird, like, yeah. girlish laugh yeah. that yeah. I guess is now a meme to come out of that movie because it's so like, "What the hell?" Because Michael Sheen totally vamping it up. Oh, totally. It's so a clip of this on YouTube, and it is hilarious. He's like, "Man, he sounds like the Wicked Witch of the East." He's doing that in the whole, all of the films. I love He's that the dude. Only good. Every time he shows up in that movie, the movie suddenly becomes interesting. Yeah, me and Annie first saw Michael Sheen. He showed up in he he plays uh, Balian's brother in Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Ba- oh, Balian, he, he's Legolas. See, Bill, I really can't follow this line of thought today. I cannot. You know what? Use what were we originally names. talking about? I was talking about Magic Mike. I really can't kind of so, focus on something. So, the best part of Magic Mike for you was Haywire. I didn't like Haywire <laughs> because it didn't have Old Country for Old Men. But it did have Taco Taco. <laughs> really? Oh, we can... We, know, we, we can start a spy, cryptic spy language of... <laughs> No one can understand anything we're saying but us, except, well, you know, it's, it's like, my favorite part of my pants are when... Yeah, Magic dust. Mike, I saw so many, oh. so many dude torsos, I don't really get a dude torso. Was it not hot? No. Well, it's, it kind of lost meaning immediately, which is kind of the point, because it's not, the it's not about, like, the glorification it's of this. It's kind of like the wrestler, it's not about wrestling, it's about being old and stuff. Well, not, not necessarily that, but I mean, it's like, the whole point is that this stuff that is sexy and impressive, it's, it's not... It's it's has no nutrients. There's no you know you're not getting anything from it, and so at some point in the movie it just becomes kind of noise. Yeah. It's <clears throat> it's a very pretty movie. It's very well shot and everything like that. Well edited, but yeah. So what you're saying is the movie would have been better if it than starring Michael Sheen. Magic Michael Sheen. <laughs> in summation, yes, <laughs> Magic Michael Sheen would have been better. Laughing at everyone from the stage. <laughs> I flipped on the TV the other day and it freaked me the fuck out because I just turned it on. I was going to go watch something on, on network TV. And so I flipped to the stations. The first thing that came up was some sort of local cable station yeah. that does all syndicated stuff all day. And there on the TV was a young Martin Sheen. 
like really, really young. Doing what? You, I, I, we changed the channel, but I was really he was like not an actor forever. He was an apocalypse. I was now like, well, it was a Hawaii Five O. Oh really? It was crazy. I was like, what is young Martin Sheen doing? It was like the whole monologue and the camera slowly zooming in, and it was like I felt like I was going mad at that moment. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Which is why you totally stopped my brain because I'm pretty sure Martin Sheen may be like the last face to see before I die or something at this point. It's like. Oh, uh, guess how was the rest of your week? Uh, I didn't remember. We both had. You were sick. I was busy. I was so sick. I was. This I was uh, getting fresh batches of Doctor Who prints made up. Yeah. What, what were you playing this week? What you playing? Um, this is so much a video game podcast these days. It really. Well, this time of year, it's always going to be turned yeah. into very video game heavy. I mean, this is going to be our Walking Dead spoiler cast this episode too. Yeah, at the end, but back end of this thing. What with all the big video games coming out this time of year, we're gonna spend most of the time talking about more about video games than anything else. But yeah, all so, the people who don't care about video games have long since. I know that's podcast. why we only have three people listening to us these <laughs> days. But yeah, so yeah, well, um, I started replaying Mass Effect Three. So the uh, Omega DLC came out on Tuesday. Why can't you playing Mass Effect Three? Because you already played it once this year. Yeah. I think you played Mass Effect 2 and 1, like, twice before Mass Effect 3 came out this year. We did. Yeah. Not twice, once. You've, you've to probably be fair. at least 100 hours into Mass Effect games oh, total God. this year, at least. More than that. Yeah. But, no, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 3, but it was such an emotional thing. And I kind of wanted to go back and, and take it at a more deliberate pace. Because mm-hmm. I burned through it. Well, I guess, yeah, I. with the Omega DLC, and, that's a good time yeah, to go Omega back. Yeah, Omega DLC, and I never played Leviathan. All right, did you so, start from scratch, or did you just reload well, we have, save? I have a boot B Shep. Um, uh, like, cause I, I have forgot our, you've got a dozen different Shepherds, I, no, too. No, I, I have two Sheps. I've got oh, my, oh, my Lady Renegade had... Shep. And then I have I started to do a dude Shep, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah, we're just gonna make Bruce so Willis Shep. I was gonna no bad decisions Shepherd, and he was gonna look like Bruce Willis. But he was that's just, my Shepherd. Um, he was just uh, the voice acting is just too bad. Just no, too bad. yeah. So I uh, that's why I'm worried in future Mass Effect games if they don't have a good enough uh, voice actress for there had better be a goddamn femme Shep. I don't know, like well Dragon Age two the better voice was the dude. Oh, was it? No, oh, who so did, I played the dude. Do you know who the voice actors were uh, for the main two versions of was it Hawk? Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, no, no, but okay. They weren't that good. <laughs> but the dude You're was writing better. writing fan mail, yeah. The dude was better. I mean, that, that gave me the last thing you think of about is your hawk. Um, but, uh, no, the, um, uh, so we, my wife has been wanting to replay Mass Effect 3, and I've been wanting to, too. Like I said, just take my time with it. And uh, we finished Walking Dead, and yes. so, and, and we had been talking about it. Oh, the other thing I played this week was, um, oh, I should talk about this. This is actually more interesting. Before I talk about Mass Effect 3, I played Minerva's Dead. From, um, Bioshock Two, yeah. really, really, really good. I said What's this so special. Why does everyone jerk off about Minerva's Dead? What's so special about it? It's just a really solid little game. Is it story? Uh, yeah, it's got a good. It's it's no bigger than it needs to be. Um, it does a it's nice like two or three hours of content. Uh, no more than that. It's like four or five hours. Oh, so okay. So it's a nice. It really is like game. an expansion pack, not just like a little like yeah. mission DLC thing. It's yeah. a. It gives you a totally different view of the Bioshock world mm-hmm. and a totally different person's experience. They are you divest... playing as the same character? No, you oh. play as oh really? You play okay. as another big daddy um, named Sigma. And um, you, uh, well, you're like your daddy Sigma because in, in Bioshock Two, you're playing your Delta Sigma from the sea. Is he a Sigma sea monster? I'm making it Sigma. I'm tired. Sigma Sigma. It's a really good podcast. You weren't there for for the the uh, the H&R Puffin stuff. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Sid Murray Croft jokes always go well with people <laughs> who've never watched the Sid Murray Croft show. Anyway, go ahead. No, uh, you you are a um a uh, big daddy who's like a Sigma is your identification, and you are going to this 
region of rapture that has been cut off from rapture for a long, long time. Oh, okay. And uh, you are investigating uh, this guy named Cole Porter. I think it actually may be Cole Porter, uh, who is a uh, who is a oh shame on me I can't remember his name. Now. But anyway, he he and this other guy Reed Wall I think were the uh, programmers. Lou Reed. Cole Porter and Reed, they're recording an album. Phil, stop it. And, yeah. I know this is not high energy, but give me some mercy yeah. here. No, so they they were two computer programmers, and they developed the automation system that makes everything on Rapture run. Oh, okay. And uh, things went bad, and so your job is you're there to um, take the thinker, which is this computer system, this AI, uh, or uh, and get it out of Rapture because Tenenbaum has figured out a way to cure. Oh, that's cool. They still have Tenenbaum linked yeah. into that stuff. Okay. Ultimately, you're trying to help Tenenbaum. Like, Wait, wasn't sent... Tenenbaum, didn't she die in the first game? And this is DLC for the second game you're talking about, right? Does she die in the first game? I thought she. I thought everyone. What the hell happens at the end of the first game? You just escape. You don't like destroy Rapture, right? No, Rapture. I know still this, is... this DLC actually takes place in like 1968 or something like that. Bioshock Two. Does it take place after? Oh, dude! Don't ask me questions. That the thing ever, yeah, the, the, that's the thing that confounded a lot of people was everyone trying to figure out how how Rapture survives another ten years after you leave. That's right. Yeah, I forgot the sequel because a lot yeah. of people assumed like the Bioshock pre- the sequel would be an actual prequel because that would make more sense. You get to see what had the fall of Rapture. Well, you do get to see some of it, and actually the multiplayer, oh, yeah, yeah. the multiplayer Bioshock Two, the fiction of it is kind of cool because it's actually literally set during the fall of Rapture. Like it's that oh, New that's Year's very Eve. Cool, yeah. Like you are playing. Oh, so they all had their cake and ate it too, where it's like they got the core of the prequel material, yeah. but still made a sequel that takes place yeah. years later. Okay. Yeah. So cool. the Minerva's Den, uh, you you are trying to extract this computer program from Minerva's Den because Tenenbaum thinks she can use it to cure people of atom addiction. Because she, hmm. she basically can. Um, Which take... I mean, that's the whole downfall of Rapture, right there. Exactly, because yeah. it's she's like, well, we're it, we figured out it cured little sisters, and now I can actually cure. Um, the I think I can cure people who are addicted to Adam, but I need to be able to process all these possibilities. Yeah, exactly. And the way yeah. To do that. So you're going through. Um, I have to feed punch cards in this giant machine for exactly. three weeks. Yeah. So you're going through um, Minerva's Den, but what's really great is that Minerva's Den obviously does a story about these these two warring guys and their downfall, but it's also about game development. Like, it's about this guy who lost his wife because during World War II, he was working with um, British Secret Service uh, on their computer system. Like, he's working with Turing and stuff. Yeah. And while he's working, he can't see his wife because he's working so hard and working so hard he doesn't see her anymore. And she dies during the Blitz. And so it's about, you know, like, he's been, he's lost his family. Well, he's got to sacrifice to get this job done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. um,. And you meet all you you find this one neck of it that's all like the little sub programmers who like don't get acknowledged and work really hard and they don't get noticed and like when you go when you go to um uh the other guy like the antagonist's apartment for the first time it's like covered with coke bottles like empty coke oh, bottles good. over the floor yeah and uh, there's this great moment where you are in a robotics lab and you find all these plans and all these pieces from little sister robots which is just kind of creepy but you find this audio log that says you know it's like god damn it ryan told us to make these little sister robots and we and we fronted all the rd costs and we put all this effort into it and then when he went out and tested it the big daddies wouldn't react to it so in all this extensive testing big daddies didn't like it so they just scrapped the whole program and now what am i going to do with all these robotic little sisters which is it's just fucking great is that a big core of the plot of the game 
Or is this just like a little bit more? That's of an just a little. Egg? It's a, like a side. But that's thing. still that's awesome. It's one of the environments that, yeah. you have. Because a lot of people playing that game may not get it. Like if, if yeah. you're just kind of a casual. Well, exactly. Well, that's what's that nice hard. is that it's like it's commentary if you look for it, but it's still totally. Fits well, I can the say it's it's the... it's it's not like in your face though. You're not going like what the hell? No. There's obviously there. This is you can obviously... also miss that whole audio log. Like, okay, it's that's, in a secret that's hidden, fantastic. It's like an aside room sort of thing. It's very clever. It's really really clever. Really well done. How much is the DLC? Like ten bucks? Uh probably, I don't know. Which it's isn't much well worth it. you could buy the game for five. I was gonna say you can get yeah. Bioshock two for five dollars. It sounds like the I, most it's a fifteen dollar investment, yeah. Like I, I, keep I really enjoy Bioshock two as I've well. I've always heard Minerva's Den was the entire justification to even buy Bioshock two. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really solid little time. Oh, fantastic. I enjoyed it very much. Highly recommend it. Anybody should give it a shot. And like I said, if you liked Bioshock one, Bioshock two was a good time. Yeah. It was a really good time. I enjoyed it very much. Did you see the cover art? Oh, yeah, you were posting about that today. The cover Fucking t- cover art to Bioshock Infinite. So, dumb, although, to be fair, that seems like dumb. it's only the PlayStation 3 cover art, which I'm sure it's going to be They mocked it up. It's for all the Oh, systems. it's for all of them? Yeah. They showed there's a PC and Xbox or something like that. Which it's is ridiculous. not the worst thing, but it's just the Uncharted cover. It's the so Char- bland. It's the cover for Uncharted 1. So, this is the cover for Bioshock Infinite. It's your protagonist, who you presumably never see. Because you just see his dumb hands and one of that's going to be kind of lame in that game too. And yeah. he's got his 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 shotgun slung over his shoulder, and then behind him is uh, there's like fire effects and there's a tattered American flag. And then if you squint really hard, there's a zeppelin in the upper left hand corner. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, Bioshock is all about its awesome aesthetics. We don't get to see any of his awesome aesthetics. Like we get to see lens flare coming off of his hair. Yeah. Well, well your point it. was like, God forbid, like. This is just your only uh, time to see. Oh, thank God this game stars a, a white burly protagonist. Well, I was like, thinking like this was about the only it. reason why they like. Well, no, uh, and it got me thinking about it. So, in action games, can you think of an action game where the cover does not have the protagonist? Because I was going to say, well, the original well, Bioshock they... has. I was like, it has a big daddy. Oh, but then I thought about it. That's kind of like if you see that, that's you go, I want to be big game. daddy, but you do become a big daddy in oh, the end true. of Bioshock. Point. I mean, you can't be surprised when a giant video game publisher decides to put the hero, even if you don't see the hero in the game that much, no. like on the cover. I mean, that's the. I can't think of a single oh, that's action. Unfortunate, game. man. Like, like literally, these games I bought here. It's like, wait, no, this. Well, bad example. Well, well, the, the the stock video game uh cover design for action games these days seems to be like the hero kind of walking towards the camera with a gun slung over his shoulder. Yeah. Like if you see like all the like Call of Duty and Modern Warfare games and all that shit yeah. seems to be the same thing. It's at least if they're gonna rip off a cover design, at least they ripped off Uncharted, which is not the worst thing. Yeah. But that does not show what the game is really. What makes be. that game exciting? Oh, should it be just a pair of disembodied hands, kind of like <laughs> shooting, kind of like awkwardly, and the bees <laughs> flying out of the hands? But or, even like, yeah. like all of the cool like monster design and enemy design, that's well, all what's the fantastic half the appeal. Art, uh, Bioshock Infinite's uh, art designers have put out for advertising for the game, yeah. like the fake Saturday mo- Evening Post posters yeah. they did for the Game Informer article. Yeah, like they could have done if they had free reign to do whatever they wanted to. They could have done such an amazing, extraordinarily unique cover idea for I mean, that to game. be fair this is dictated by the marketing department well no i understand that and that has nothing to do with developers or anything it is just i marketing. hope they have like but a, it's they do just, a reverse man, cover or something like they, that i can't they almost have to come on i'm they sure have well, to. you know what the, the thing is this is just for there's going to be a limited edition that's going to be the cover is going to be elizabeth's tits or something like yeah there's going to be one that's going to be the, the abstract people, you awesome can even looking... say like the limited edition the people who are buying a limited edition or not the people who are buying the standard edition well that's what people i'm saying so that's why I'm, I are already get... high on that so you don't have to sell them on it yeah but i'm just even on the, beyond that i'm like if you're gonna sell bioshock infinite 
is that really how you sell it? Like, just well, from how a marketing would you, How standpoint. would you sell the normal edition to normal gamers? I mean, wouldn't you... Kind of, I feel like... I'm surprised they didn't go the big tits Elizabeth route. It, like, if, it, if it's not going to be the main hero with this gun sh- uh, slung over his shoulder, I'm surprised. I'm surprised she's not in the it's background not the, it's, going, oh, I hear some bullets out of my breast. It's mm. not that I don't think that he should be on the cover. It's just that it's weird to me that he's it. Yeah. Like, that's it. For a character you probably barely see in the game. Not That's not even my objection. It's like... See, that, I like the... I'm more practical where I'm just like, you don't see... This that is the was one my time joke. This is the one time you're ever going to find out what he looks like yeah. just by looking at the cover. But, yeah. no, it's like you... There are so many compelling visuals in that game. Like, the whole... You don't really get a sense of the floating city. Yeah, you don't get a I sense know. of, like, no, that's, the yeah. songbird and the boys of silence all, all and the handyman. All that stuff is hard and... to put up in an single image i mean look at look at the cover for sleeping dogs here on bill's pile of stuff just kind of a jumble of stuff but, but it's, it's a totally still... compelling and it's very unique you see that sleeping dogs cover you know yeah. what game it is like that is maybe this is a terrible example because it is like this game sold look no how good this whatsoever. journey journey collector's edition cover is <laughs> i mean at least it's, it's it's beautiful because it's just three different games art just spliced together retardedly. But I think even that journey, the that journey image is compelling because it gives you journey a sense of what it is. Um, and like well, Dragon's also, Dogma, I'm going to kick, I'm going to fucking worse. stab a dragon in the face, alright? Forza Horizon, there's a car going to hit you. Spec Ops the line, it's a dude it's, holding a gun. It's a dude holding a gun, but they add other elements to it. Like they have the dirt aspect he's of it. He's made up of people. So that, like there's like a sandy feel because he's dissolving into sand and there's your team and like there's the helicopters. I would say that Look is a more compelling. Look at this XCOM shit where it's people and shit. Okay. But XCOM, okay, so I have a team and I have a squad. We're obviously in some sort of, there's some sort of alien context because there's like this weird glow Look to at this it. bullshit. I've got the Bond 50 <laughs> Blu-ray collection. Look at this shit. They put dudes with guns on the cover. How, uh, fuck this. I'm not going to buy it. This, this actually shows you who's in the movie. <laughs> fuck this shit. Man. I'm confused. How are all these people James Bond? <laughs> Why? Is this his family? <laughs> It's James Bond is gear. <laughs> they have a group on for suits. <laughs> is that what it is? But yeah, no. I mean, I, it's 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 disappointing. The, the like the, the the vanilla version of the game's cover art is kind of it's bland. At least it's not actively bad. It's just well, the it's, weird thing is it looks like it's really just ripping off Uncharted specifically because like even the guy's pose, yeah. it looks like Nathan Drake from the cover. Yeah. If you just turned him 180 degrees, he's still in that like same pose with a shotgun over his shoulder. And, yeah, you know, and like the, he's got the the holster, the double holster. He could have at least based the main character off of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> If they want to be I'm artistic. Playing, so I got I my Vita. I should be Ken Levine, actually, with a shotgun. I got my Vita, <laughs> and I start. They, they, it came with three months free PlayStation Plus, and PlayStation Plus, you get free games, one of which is the Uncharted game. Yeah. And the character you're playing with at the opening of this Uncharted game is um pretty much Steve Buscemi. Oh, really? Yeah. This game also opens with more swears per moment than I think there are in the entire Uncharted game. How was the game so far? Uh, I've played like maybe fifteen minutes of it. I, so I got this Vita. I've played two hours. I played with it for about two hours. I've only actually played maybe about fifteen I've minutes. Heard, of right, a friend of the podcast, Ryan McCluskey, is supposed to mean that because he did voice work for uh the Uncharted game. Oh yeah, the Vita version. Yeah. If you're Steve Buscemi, Ryan, I apologize for for, for lining if you your voice. You played his fucked up over. teeth in the Uncharted Vita game. Um. So yeah, but your Vita's training you pretty well. I I. Is a nice little piece of hardware. I can see this why at the end of the Vita's uh, lifespan. It's I don't know how they're making any money with it. Only charging two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, it. I had no idea. Despite the fact that I've heard so many people talk about the Vita, I had no idea uh, the front screen was a touch screen. I keep yeah. on hearing people talk about the back of the unit is a touch surface. Mm-hmm. So you like, which is weird because that is the least interesting thing to play. A well, game I can with. see you could do interesting things where I could see if you tapped on the back of the unit could like flip over stuff on the 
front screen? Oh, did you take a picture of me? I did. I oh took my a picture gosh. Of my, you burping. Is my penis hanging out? Yes, it is, actually. Oh, no. It happened all the time. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that that was excessively loud, dear listeners. Whose penis hangs all the way down to their balls? A friend of the podcast, Erica Moen. Did you see her Planned Parenthood prints that she put out this week? Yes. Where it's, it's, yeah. it's, she'll draw a picture of anyone who supports Planned Parenthood, but it's framed inside the screen print she did, where at the top print. it says Planned Parenthood, and the bottom says I support Planned Parenthood or whatever. And off in the corners it has two, like, like a cross section of the uterus. What are the things that feed the uterus? Egg candy. Just gonna let you keep going, Bill. And then there's testicles and balls at the bottom, but she was upset because no one can recognize them as testicle balls, because this, the balls were hung down as far as the dick and so it didn't read his testicles balls why am i suddenly talking about this <laughs> i'm just saying i don't know anyone whose balls hang down as low as their penis it's everybody's wieners are a little bit different bill magic mics what what was the ball to penis <laughs> did not length ratio? actually no i did get to see the tip of his penis in that movie really yeah what's he do is he like playing land shark with it is like yes. he, is he in the bathtub chasing a little action figure or Scheider? yes smile you son of a bitch yes I don't know how to respond to that. It's semen explodes yes. instead of fish guts. Uh-huh. What? And what? What's the context? <laughs> Everybody's a little different, Bill. Yeah. Everybody has a little bit different shapes. You see, it's weird because uh, George Clooney in Out of Sight is taking a bath with, with <sighs> Jennifer Lopez. Like, you're sick. You, you don't want to hear my sex joke about Jennifer I Lopez. should be sick every week because at least then it kind I'm of fucking reigns you in. But I'm just saying, the cleft of Venus comes out of the water and bites him on the nose like a, like a crab in a cartoon. Why did I agree to this podcast? <laughs> anyway, what Why else? Why did I think it was a good idea? What Five else? Shots. Vita. So, but no, uh, Assassin's Creed uh, for the Vita is good. I have played two minutes of it. You, you're, I, I fired it up and I played two. It's the first you time I've ever. You played more Vita than you played more Liberation than I did. You start off as a little girl, which is kind of cool. I will say what is kind of neat is that the um the racism and slavery and classism are all in uh, Assassin's Creed. 3. I hear that it gets pushed to the side. They though. don't really explore it very much. They kind of explore it. Like, in a sideways way, but they don't really analyze it, which is weird when the, I, your main character is a Native American and his mentor is an African American. Yeah. I wonder if originally maybe somebody had the idea if this, if, if you're going to have a someone, if you're going to have an assassin in America in either the 18th or 19th centuries, maybe it should be a slave. I wonder if maybe they thought that was too charged and so they shuffled that off to the Vita game. Instead, like... Well, she's not a slave. Well, no, she can pretend to be a slave, though. Yes. But, like, she moves within... She can dress up as a slave convincingly enough. Like, that's a great way to take people out because slaves, who's really paying attention to them? Yeah. But maybe that's a little bit too much of a racially charged kind of thing. So yeah. They're like, oh, let's make it Native Americans because they have tomahawks and more. they're more cartoonishly badass to, to us stupid white American eyes. But I wonder I wonder what the conversation was. They're about race and about who the protagonist for yeah. either uh, Assassin's Creed 3 for the consoles or the Vita was. Because yeah. they both take place at the same time. And I just like the fact that at least the Vita version has a female. As a, as a yeah, well, what's interesting, where I was going with it was that female. the two or three I hate minutes. female. There's been so much talk about fake gamer girls and stuff, and everyone keeps on calling women females. They sound like Ferengi from Star Trek. <laughs> what would you rather what say, Why do you Bill? think of females? Just the protagonist female. It just sounds weird. You sound like you're a goddamn alien being examining the human species for the first time. Why if do you're they going make to say fun a protagonist is a woman, to... what adjective do you use if not female? Female. Well, it's okay to say female, but I hear that in my own voice. Female. <laughs> female. So 
so wear clothing. Can I, can I finish <laughs> my, like, three-second thought that you won't let me finish? Please. Uh, in the Vita, you, when it opens, you're playing as, as Aveline, and you, um, uh, you, you're running around, and the first thing that happens is you step away from your mother for just a moment, and you walk in front of a slave auction. So already, really? That's how it starts. they have addressed it in a more overt way, in a way that takes uh, Assassin's Creed 3 about... 20 hours do you eyeball. walk around the auction block for like half an hour kind of slowly walk up to the side of the auction house like the assassin's creed 3 the console version does you kind of walk around it's a tutorial walk up the stairs turn oh, around okay at the stab the auction guy walk away pretend it's not happening i kind of really liked weird. the opera house set piece that as tutorial fine. levels go i liked it but then after I don't hate it as hard the, as the, uh, the, the uh, slave auction, are you on a small, like, canoe <laughs> for two hours? Just wandering around the canoe. Child-sized canoe. <laughs> Suddenly you're attacked by someone else in a small canoe. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I'm going to go back to this for a second. So I played Mass Effect. I'm replaying Mass Effect 3. We're playing with our B Shepherd. Our A Shepherd is Harriet. She's really my shepherd. She's a renegade and uh, loyal to Liara. She is mean to everybody except ladies. So our B, our B chef, our beta chef is, uh, is Nick Shepard and she's a goody two shoes who loves man meat. She climbed all over Caden like a tree in the first game. Second game, she, um, was uh, on the Jacob train, but there's a bug oh. in, 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 well, cause she loves man meat. Of course she's going to go for Jacob. There, is Jacob she, attractive? It just kind of looks he's weird. man meat. He looks like LeVar Burton. No, he doesn't, Bill. Which LeVar Burton's not unattractive, but I, Anyway, go ahead. And also Jacob... Yeah. The only interesting thing about him would be his penis. Jacob, well, yes. It's, it's, that's the My shepherd, also, she's not very, his, she's his, not a very evolved person. Didn't his dad have sex slaves? Yes. Yeah. Ew. What? That's his dad. That's on him. Ew. Jacob, I think, is a bland character. That doesn't mean, it's not, that's not what it's about, though. He's <laughs> man You're, you're not paying character? attention yeah, to me. Know, yeah. Nick, she just loves man meat. That's all it is. <laughs> so of course she's going to ride on the Jacob train. Yeah. He, the most interesting part of Jacob, and I'm still upset about this, is at the very end of Mass Effect 2, when, like, the, when all is over, and he goes, we should get some drinks, hang out sometime. And I'm like, oh, man, that would be a great way to actually develop him. But that's the last thing he says to you. That's, like, the last thing And then you only see him, for, ten, you see him for one mission in Mass Effect three and that's it yeah. yeah but anyway so uh, there's there's a thing in mass effect 2 where you can dump you can progress fully through your relationship with jacob have sex with him the whole nine yards and then dump him and then romance garris oh that's that's so, that's the min max yeah that that sounds that sounds like the ultimate thing if you want maximum man meat yeah we'll see which which mass my effect aggressively man-witch? sexual <laughs> paragon shepherd wants so she uh so now now we're in mass effect 3 though and so the question is do we maintain the relationship with Garrus, or do we go with K Bear? And uh, with K- wait, who Caden? Yeah. So I I am one of the few people in the world who actually likes both Caden and Ashley. Caden is vapid, and Ashley's a racist. Yes, she's a racist. That doesn't mean that there's not other elements to her character. I think that's interesting. And and Caden is just he's See, Kaden, just sentimental. Caden was my sacrifice at the end of the game, so I don't even know what Caden's deal is. Did you have? Is. Did you go through his whole dialogue tree and everything and learn his back? That was the way your eyes going back to your head. It was a, it was a vapid character four years ago. All I remember, I barely remember his name. All I remember is somebody who wasn't Ashley died at the end of the first <laughs> Mass Effect game. That's all I remember. So. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, now it's like, do we go with Caden or do we go with Garrus? What's great is that when you meet Garrus, if you romance Garrus in Mass Effect 2, he brings a bottle of wine to your cabin, or a bottle to your cabin, and you have drinks. 
in uh, Mass Effect 3, when you first meet Garrus and you kind of rekindle things, he says, he's like, now I can afford the good stuff. He pulls out this bottle of whatever with this really nice label on it. So then you go see Caden. I mean, you talk to Caden. You're like, hey, Caden, how you doing? He's like, so are we good? And you go, yeah, girl. You pull out a bottle and give him a bottle. And it's the exact same bottle. And I know. I know. I know that it's just that that's their bottle asset that can interact with the characters. And that's what they did. But it's the same bottle. It's perfect because it fits my shepherd cannon that she's kind of a dog. That she's a total girl scout and like this perfect goody two shoes in all aspects. But in a sexual but aspect. As soon as she gets she's within sniffing distance of a penis, she just she's goes just nuts. She's just an aggressor. <laughs> she's just a sexual predator. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Oh, Mass Effect 3. But it's really interesting to play Mass Effect 3 right off the heels of Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Because my big criticism, all you guys can bitch about the story and endings and whatever. I still maintain the stories in all Mass Effect games are dumb and the endings in all Mass Effect games are dumb and it's part of the course. What really disappoints me in Mass Effect 3 is how they really abbreviated conversations. Almost every single, I'm going to, no, every single conversation in Mass Effect 3, uh, 3 you have, it's not a dialogue tree, it's a dialogue like branch. Because yeah. you have one dialogue it is yeah yeah like you can't really go in depth there's not layers to the conversation Mm. pretty much at best you can ask them questions about subjects but even then very rarely can you ask them like follow-up questions or continue the conversation it's all auto dialogue well then like and there's like certain places in the game especially around the citadel where there's not even conversations as much mm-hmm. you're just listening in on other people's yeah. conversations so it's you completely eavesdrop. passive like i i like that's, that's a lot one of the of reasons them. it's stuff like that why why it feels to me the game was really rushed out the door like they yeah. could have used an extra 6 months oh, maybe god, a they year to used flesh out year. between that and the ending like just stuff like that where the com- i'm sure the conversation stuff the writing and the implementing and think... vo- recording the voice would have taken the most time i don't that's think where that was a um that was a creative dis- or excuse me that was a budget decision think i think so? that was a creative decision hmm. they were trying to make this one the most mainstream game yeah, they could no, 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 and no. people have no patience and they and they had it all connect enabled what too. people love is pac-man mini games when you're flying out in space <laughs> running from, from the all evil intergalactic force that you're trying struggling to believe or defeat Man. but uh, i i do like i mean i hate hating on it because i actually really like all the passive dialogue conversations you stumble across like the asari that's on tip tree with joker's family oh that's fantastic and uh, well like, that's what she has an interesting tale but it's not like the way you interact like with her is the, like completely passive the bar the um the people at the purgatory bar the lady and the soldier who are and she wants to be one of the guys and he's really uncomfortable with it and, yeah like, all these things i enjoy them a lot like the the mistress on the Citadel. when someone's like man i left my can of soda that's when it becomes weird that these ambient conversations become quests yeah that's objectionable i left my can of soda on the quarry in homeworld oh if only could someone find it for me the next time they're on the <laughs> oh mr shepherd mr shepherd you found my can of soda in the nebula how oh here's five i don't object to the fetch quest aspect weird. i just object to the fact that it's like a eavesdrop and then i find things i never people. would have thought in my life that mass effect 3 would be half half a mass effect 3 be going on passive yeah doing favors for people who don't even ask you to do this stuff you're just kind of like yeah. oh i heard meanwhile everyone on earth is still dying yeah that's the other thing is like mass effect 3 still I, I don't know how this this still feels on a second playthrough but i still think it's a huge the biggest mistake even, even aside from the ending and everything well probably at least as big as as the ending kerfuffle the the mass effect's biggest mistake was starting the game off with uh humanity being eradicated 
or the process of humanity being extinguished by the mm-hmm. reapers where it's not like it's not even presented as as it's a battle that you're leaving and, and it's become a war front and you're going off and doing other adventures they make it very, very explicit at the beginning of mass effect 3 humanity is being ex- systematically exterminated mm-hmm. and so the fact that you're going off on missions you're flying from one end of the galaxy to the other to find yeah. someone's fruit cup well, you could like, say all of the like, Mass Effect man. games have this tension that is but entirely undermined by this idea. Starting the game on that note kind of just ruins. But I mean, they're all that, like that. Palavin is becoming a crater, else. you know? It's yeah. like, it's weird that all your characters are freaking out, but at the same time, like. But then you're yeah. going, still going, you're going dancing. Yeah. You're going fucking drinking at the club, getting drunk, falling over. Meanwhile, for every, you know, for every moment that you're doing this, at yeah. least a million people are dying on Earth. Yeah. Like. It's kind of a weird thing. Well, Mass Effect is not is is really kind of the tone and feeling of Mass Effect for all their attempts at fireflights and everything like that. It is kind of just like an easy, slow, not easy, but like easy going, kind of slow kind of groove of a game. Like all the dialogue, like that's kind of the way yeah. things work and the way you navigate through the world and, you know, it just kind of feels like easy and slow and it's a thing where you want to take your time. It's like molasses. It's not like, you know. Are you hating on the the pilot because he's gay and so you can't fuck him, Nick? Your 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 man meets uh, voracious. Why would I be hating on him? Because he's gay. He's not gonna put his dick in your mouth. So what's so the whole point? So I'm not interested. Why yeah, bother? Like, fly the fucking plane. I will say. Who wants to hear about your dead gay husband? So the the DLC has always been a big thing with Mass Effect. Yeah. To, okay. Omega. Let's talk about Omega. Well, I'm not I'm not done with Omega yet, but I um, did finish Leviathan. The big which one's so Leviathan? Leviathan is the first DLC that came out that no one cared about. It was did like I, oh, it was not the, launched. Oh, Mass Effect Three. It was not launched DLC. It came out like maybe a month later. So, but here's the thing: with uh, Mass Effect One, they had the Batarian DLC, which was I never played. Which was actually a lot of fun, but totally beyond the fact that you got to see the Batarians and understand their relationship with the humans a, a little lot more. Of people haven't played this stuff because no one wants to go back in the middle of which is that. a shame because that was back when you could get five hours of DLC for eighty Microsoft points. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's crazy. But no, so that was a pretty solid DLC, but totally extraneous. Mass Effect 2, the DLC was um, Shadow Broker, which should have been in the fucking game. Well, that's just like the uh, From Ashes DLC from Mass Effect 3. That should have been a I, I maintain From Ashes, you get to see the Protheans, but it does not add anything to the game. It, it adds the best character in the goddamn game. Oh, you are dumb. No, you are out. We could have a poll <laughs> if... That can't, no, well, who's the character that you get? Who's the, pro, the pro, Promethean character? Is it Javik. Promethean Javik? I can't. Javik there have been so the, many goddamn Promethean Protheus characters. In he's, he's, his perspective is interesting, but I, I just find him boring. I just can't you're get You're out of your fucking mind. A, because he's not sexy. B. No, he's not an interesting character. I think his, he's the most have, interesting character in the to game. To have this, he, he has the or last remnant of, of his race. His arc is not interesting to me, like with his little his little relic and everything. Just from like, just from a world learning about the history of the world and the attitude of the Prometheans. See, I think that that adds Protheans. color. Where the fuck these people? That are. adds color, but I don't think it gives anything to the game. You're nuts. See, but then so if then by your argument, then both of the other parts of the DLC. Let me just go back just a second. So Mass yeah. Effect Two, you had, a point. You had <laughs> Shadow Broker. Shadow Broker should have been in the fucking game. That should have been. Kasami yeah. Sat- Gato, go to Gato was she was my favorite character in Mass Effect. Two, arguably, but don't need her. Zaid, you need him even less. Oh, Zaid's total. Fluff, they yeah. both. Zaid gives color to the mercenaries, whatever. And Man, Kasami you cannot is a great say character. That me, Prothean. I see. I think that dude Zaid gives you just as much as the fucking Javik does. Crazy. So you get, but then you have this DLC Shadow Broker, which is you. If you don't play Shadow Broker, you missed an entire arc of a main character in the game, and like the story doesn't necessarily well, make a lot of sense without having. Reasons. 
You know, that should have been in the game. Uh, so now Mass Effect 3, Leviathan, Leviathan, you find out what the Reapers are and where they came from. Like, you find out what the Reapers are. Don't care. <laughs> but you care more, you, really? You cannot look at me and say, oh, but I want to know about the Protheans. I don't give a shit about Come on, what you're the talking Reapers about how are. Much, how important that uh, Shadow Broker stuff is for Liara's character, it is. But Liara's reaction to Javik... It's just it's... important to, like, when she finds out. Dude, that these she doesn't have she a reaction worships? because they couldn't write it into the game because it's DLC. That's one of the reasons why I'm pissed off at it. Because no, because like so her whole her whole arc she gets totally stops wh- in Mass Effect Three. It's dead on arrival. She, her arc she, she, ends. She has a whole like crisis of faith because she realizes barely. They... It is like it's it's like not even there. Uh, it is all off screen. You're not paying attention. I don't care. Yes, motherfucker. <laughs> Her whole, she should have she had does, this she giant does, Aside from that, kind of disappear until the end of the game, where she's like, "Hey, Shepard, I will give you space vision of our space babies." Get I took her on now. every Javik mission because I wanted to see. I was like, "Holy shit, this is totally!" But because it's an option in DLC, it's totally underplayed, and so you don't get. It's nothing. See, I didn't happens. get that at all. I was so mad because Liara in Mass Effect 2 became a character that I actually really was excited about. I hated her in Mass Effect 1. I thought she was bland. Mass Effect 2, she finally kind of grew into a person. And Mass Effect 3, abstractly, it's about this huge crisis of faith that undermines everything in her life. And she's like, that sucks. And that's it. Well, you do have a, like, she's like, a couple like conversations a with her. Yeah, well, that's... And what, that's where it. else are you going to go for that? You could... It's uh, the undermining of her entire life. Yeah. Her entire life's purpose is gone. That's awesome. She's like, that's too bad. I'm really bummed. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? You have a point to make about Leviathan, though. What are you saying? Well, Leviathan is, like, it is who the Reapers are. are the Reapers? why they're here. What are the Reapers? Tell me. Well, it's like why they look like what they do. Why they were trying to they make... They explain why they needed to build a giant human Reaper at yes! Mass Effect 2 out of baby food? Yes! How like, much, all this how shit. Much is DLC? It's I don't know. It's like eight hundred extra points. On top of that, it's kind of hilarious because the whole the whole DLC is a um is kind of structured like an episode of the X Files. What? Like as soon as you show up, the music is kind of X Filesy, and you meet a character basically old Mulder, and you're like, oh my this god, is this is Leviathan. It's fucking hilarious. It's not like the the reveal at the end of it. It is like shit, son. I would say it is no. If you're saying looking at me and going, oh, Javik is the best part. It gives Javik is at least one of the best parts. I don't know. Yeah, go the, ahead. Um, uh, Leviathan. Not that it's like the best DLC ever, but it's it's core nutrients to the game. Do you game. think they should have had the uh, what's what's the last piece of uh, Mass Effect Two DLC they put out that sets up the why Shepard's oh, been demoted? Oh, rival. That's where plot wise. Oh, it was it was that, bad. Too. <laughs> but that's where that was optional DLC DLC that sets yeah. up a whole Shepard's why she's demoted it. Because if you don't yeah. play that DLC, then you're wondering like. Yeah. Why is she suddenly demoted on, on the outs with yeah. everyone, despite the fact that she saved the galaxy in the last Yeah, game. no, I'm wandering around the Citadel, and I heard a news thing that said, uh, disgra- former, disgraced former Spectre, Commander yeah. Shepard. And I was like, wait a minute, did that happen? Yeah. Was I disgraced? Man, my EA and Bioware's handling of story-based DLC has been... They've, they've been doing some interesting things, but, like... 
the thing is choosing what stuff you miss, what vital yeah. minerals See, and vitamins it. you miss, and which ones you don't, depending on which DLC you get. Yeah, is it makes the whole story kind of lumpy. Like Kasumi, it's... Kasumi, I think was one of the like not that I think thought it was the best structured DLC or the most enjoyable DLC, but I think that, that is what fun. DLC should be. That's optional. Where it's just though. more. Exa- yeah. It's optional. But DLC it's should be optional, but you have a good time and it's more of what you love. But when you're talking about an entirely trilogy of games, where yeah. like there's at least two or three beasts. Piss- pieces of optional content yes. that really should have been in the game yeah that's when the yeah some it's decisions bullshit. have been made badly it's bullshit and like they do a, and uh, get that they want oh, you to I experience so the whole you, for christmas i got you a jovic action figure i feel so bad they're trying to give you they want you to eat the whole enchilada to get all the flavors because it's like really yeah. if you didn't read the the dark horse Ma- mass effect shadow broker comics you'd lose a lot of context for the shadow Burke yeah DLC. you had to explain some of that stuff to me because yeah apparently what's his name k long or whatever the assassin in in mass effect 3 that is the, the weird anime character yeah, yeah that is the the dude of uh uh martin sheen uh it's apparently he's in all the mass effect books and i feel two ways about it one they're at sure they're adding flavor to mass effect world and building on something in the future that's kind of cool but on the other hand you're like me where i t- tried to read half a mass effect book and put it down yeah. where i'm like who the fuck is this character why should i care did you hear Maxwell Motley talking about her Assassin's Creed encyclopedia? The pages were stuck together because she got the she got the special edition Assassin's Creed Three bundle, yeah, which came with the encyclopedia. And she said pages were stuck together. That sucks. Yeah. Also, she was having bugs in the main game, which everyone's having. But yeah. I like that, that. That that that's one extra universe stuff where video game goes wrong <laughs> physically, where it's not just like. Oh, there's, ah! Assassin's Creed Three is so buggy <laughs> that even its encyclopedia doesn't work correctly. <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, it's like, that is a weird, that is a decision I object to. When you miss part of the core experience because it's bundled off. There is a, there's a big problem with uh, Halo 4 in that way, where the, the whole explanation for what the, the villain is, is, is mostly, you'd have to read, like, the books to find out who he is and where he came from. There's a line to, to balance here, and it, this is not it. Yeah. Hopefully with it. next-gen hardware with higher polygons and higher resolutions, they'll be able to fix these basic storytelling <laughs> problems. But, that, you know, they, yeah. want you to, they want you to consume everything. Yeah. And so that's like... Well, they want you to spend money on all this so extra they're, stuff. So they're but... rewarding, and you can look at it generously. They're rewarding people who engage with the entire universe. It's like, you can even say with Mass Effect 2, like, Jacob and Miranda, their backstories explored in, in the iOS game. Yeah. So it's like, well, they're, they're trying well, to yeah, reward you people. Put, you do want to put hearty stuff... If you're gonna if you're gonna entice people to buy extra stuff, you yeah. want to put interesting stuff in that content to justify why people would want to buy that stuff. But at the same time, when you're kind of crippling the like basic understanding of the plot of your core game, yeah. that's when you cross I've the line. I've never met DLC that I objected to yeah. the way I objected to this stuff because this is just with with it, I think Lair the Shadow Broker okay. Liara's there, and she's like, oh, I'm, you know, this is part of my life now. But yeah. you could, you could go through that game and miss it, and, you know, I could even, if I try real hard, I could make an argument that you can miss Lair the Shadow Broker and figure it out. But in, literally, in Mass Effect 3, you see Arya, who is this character that's built up in all of Mass Effect 2, is this badass, sitting on a sofa, she's like, oh, my city's been taken. Uh, I'll, I'll take you. it back, or whatever. Yeah, I'll see you in the DLC. <laughs> it's, it is, that was the most overt... <laughs> Fuck you. She tells you she practically does everything but give you the mission because she's like, I need to do this. I'm going to plan to do this. And you're kind of like waiting for her to say, okay, well, let's go take back Omega. And she's like, well, maybe for 15 
dollars <laughs> in December. We'll go take back Omega. But yeah, so Man. is it still Carrie Ann Moss playing? Is Arya cool so far? Arya's cool. She's so far. great. She's one of okay, the best Asari. So characters. I've gotten a maybe. I think I'm halfway through. Uh, it. Guys, spoilers. This is Mass Effect Core. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking, we talking about Mass Effect for like half an hour Welcome now. Yeah. To Annie Morning. Yeah. So no. So Nyrene, you meet this character Nyrene, who's a female Turian, the first female Turian we've seen in all the Mass Effect games. Everyone she on has, Twitter. Does she have a corkscrew vagina? <sighs> Everyone on Twitter, <laughs> try and keep talking. Everyone on Twitter and Tumblr that I saw people reacting to it, they're like, oh man, this is neat. This character was really great. But I wonder, did she and Arya have a relationship together? I wonder. Like, all these people going, what? that was, do you think maybe? And is I'm it playing, explicit? Well, here's the thing. So playing the game, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool that there's this subtext of history. It's text. Like, literally. <laughs> they say, we were together, but it didn't work out because of this. <laughs> You know, she was, and like, Nyrene is the most beautiful, compelling, what are they like, talking about? like, what is wrong with people that they don't understand the difference between text and subtext? Are they, do they think that they, when they say we're together, like, they just owned a car wash together? <laughs> Seriously? Wow, okay. There's a dog wash service, you know. Was wow, and a sorry, so or a female Turian banging? <laughs> Mass Effect just broadened my horizon. <laughs> I thought my... <laughs> he brought in my dick's horizon. I can't even done. imagine what that tribadism looks just like. cracked me up for, oh, like, God. really? It'd be like a Smurf rubbing up, up against itself against a Pop-Tart. But I wonder if it's, like, if it's people like you who just didn't pursue these dialogue options. Cause, which is alien to me, because when I play... My wife always makes fun of me, because when I play any game... Literally, all I want to do is when I'm presented with a new environment, I want to talk to everybody in it, and I want to look around and find the stuff in it. I think I was kind of disappointed enough in the Mass Effect story that, toward, especially towards the end, like, I got less invested in the story because, I like, understand that. tonally, like I said, there were tonal issues with, like I said, like, the fact that Earth is being destroyed and you're going on all these silly side quests and stuff. It's not like I hated the game, but I was less emotionally invested, so I felt less, even though these dialogue conversations in this game were less, uh... It's, it would take a lot less time to actually plunge through all these conversation options mm-hmm. with people because, like you said, these conversations options in Mass Effect 3 were trimmed down. There's less incentive to want to track down everybody because I got to the point towards the Mass Effect 3, I just wanted to get to the end. Yeah. That's what we'll See, Mass Effect, all, all, really, all the yeah. Mass Effect games, for me, the nutrients are not in the story. It's just in the characters that are in yeah. it. That's where I get those my nutrients, and that's why I... See, I love world really... building so much, and that's why I love Javik so much, where he doesn't necessarily impact the story, <coughs> but he just sheds yeah. a lot of light on what happened in the past. That's why I like him so much. I so, can understand. Yeah, you're, you're, See, you're, my you're objection... talking more about emotional content, which Javik is not an emotional human My being, objection or... with Javik is that I did. you don't get a lot of context, because you see his experience as a soldier, but he doesn't... That doesn't. You get to see <laughs> when the Protheans are asked. When you have a game that's about war and you meet all these warlike races and soldiers, I'm not going to be interesting by a backstory that's another warlike race and yeah, a soldier from it. That. You don't get to see any of their culture or like. There's a part where you talk it to Javik. You just see him and he's just a shoulder, a soldier, and he has nothing else to say about when you, his when culture. When you ask Javik, it's like, so I think there is a scene. I can't remember if Liara's there or not. We're like, wow, Javik, you're the last of the Protheans. What can you tell us about Prothean science? I'm just a soldier. And, exactly. And he's like, yeah. oh no. But at I least you the get guns. the attitude. You get the attitude that the, the, their race was just a conqueror race. And I assholes. like the idea of Javik a lot, and I don't even object to how he's written. I just don't. I don't feel like. I feel like for me, it's more about the idea of him than necessarily what he provides. Yeah. Which I will say, you know, like at least with the Leviathan, it what it is nice about the Javik DLC is you learn that they weren't. Whereas the perception of the Protheans is that they were this like benevolent 
they uplifted these other races and they weren't when really they're conquering assholes. That's an interesting turn. Yeah. Um, but with Leviathan, like you actually learn what the Reapers are and why they look like they do and and like what came before. And how often did you take Javik on missions and talk to him during missions? Because um, I took him on every mission I took to, and he had unique, uh, not not only unique things to say about every mission, but mm-hmm. he had unique. Uh, interactions with everybody I took a mission. Yeah. It's like you take him to uh, Morden. Well, what's what's the Solarian homeworld? Oh yeah. Like he has crazy shit to say to talk to when he talks to the doctors there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I was really surprised. He's got an entire game's worth of like it super unique just perspective on everything, mm-hmm. and that was super. Interesting. His combat stuff was so not how I played. Oh, he has the best anywhere. weapon in the game. He has this uh, laser gun that never needs ammo. It just recharges mm-hmm. and just burns through everybody. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm real biotic style, big biotic uh, so style. Yeah, I, I was, I, I was something which still needed guns. So that was which is why I'm loving this, this, um, this uh, Omega DLC because I'm big bad biotic. Here's Arya, who's the big bad biotic, and then we've got this biotic lady Turian. So you're just bouncing people. We off just the walls rolling. And shit. We just fucking people up. It's great. Okay. Anyway, enough Mass Effect. What else happened this week? Bill, I was sick all week. That's it. I played Mass Effect. I watched Xena. Played Nerves Den really <laughs> What's good. What's up with Xena? Uh, I, I, I needed, I couldn't think. My head hurt so bad. I just kind of needed something that could be on that I really had to pay attention to and I could yeah, fall I asleep during. That, yeah. So we, at Have some point we got. Have seen it before? Yeah. Because I've, I've seen bits and pieces. But... I watched it on and off when it was on the air. Oh, okay. Um, I had a, my best friend at the time, her whole family, her whole family was crazy. We're, we're just hardcore fanboys. Like they had every single episode of Buffy, Angel, Xena, all the Star Treks on cassette tape that they had taped off the TV. Yeah. There were walls Aww. of their house. There were just bookcases, floor to ceiling, like multiple bookcases. That's just crazy. VHS people. Yeah. Not, I mean, they were great people. They had all the no, X-Files. Well, I'm saying crazy like collectors of stuff. But yeah. they had, they recorded everything and they had it and they were big into, they bring into Hercules and Xena too. So like they had Sounds like they had more it. tapes than like your local like syndicated TV station oh, would. Oh, easily. They had more like... tapes than the local blockbuster that's for sure yeah and uh yeah they loved xena so i was associated with it i was like okay it's xena yeah, at the time i was an asshole because i was a kid i was into greek mythology and everything i'm like well this is dumb why is it like this like i watched the other one one this week where it was about um bacchanalias and um how the revelers are werewolves and i was like well that's what okay I watched one with Sisyphus this week, and uh, uh, he, uh, it was, was, you know, at the time, I was, like, an asshole Hermione Granger, so I was like, actually, (laughs) it's just totally undermining all the fun. Whereas now I'm an adult. This is not how centaurs work. (laughs) Now I'm an adult, and I don't give a fuck, and I realize, I'm just in it for what it should, how you should approach Xena, with an open heart for goofy bullshit. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, so I've been watching it on and off. It's hilarious. The first season of Xena is entirely, every single episode is occupied with Gabriel. Gabriel, Gabriel's boyfriend or um, Zena's boyfriend with a new boyfriend every and every given episode, which is hilarious because almost every one of these episodes with these love interests involves some moment of true love. Like, oh, you know, true love. This could be my true love, but which is totally undermined when in two episodes later it's like, I don't know that farmer. True love, yeah. Do you Aww. think he's? I don't know. Hercules could be my soulmate, but I don't know. And then there's this guy. It's fucking weird. Foley just looked at me and just like, cause they were they had to really cover dopey. the lesbian relationship, my friends. Yeah. Cover that show on forever. On for like at least seven seasons. I'm yeah. Say seasons. So they become lesbians later on. I think so. Okay. Kind of stopped watching Xena at a certain point. Is is Xena's girlfriend? She, she's cute. Gabriel is that the one? Yeah. She's not my type of Pokemon. Okay. She doesn't look like Godzilla. No. There is this thing, though, where a plot point is that she's a bard. 
so she's a really good storyteller. <laughs> and there's always that thing in any medium when you have a character who's like really amazing at A, B, or C, and then they actually do it. You <laughs> hear like, all what? everything about how amazing they are, <laughs> and then you actually see them do it. It's like okay. just like when you find out that Giles on Buffy, super badass youth. He's a really good cake the decorator. Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. He loved to rip up cakes. He just loved to eat. He was the best cake cutter. <laughs> but then when you see him cut a cake, it's so oh underwhelming. God. So yeah. what I do this week, I did, I, I started watching James Bond because, well, Black Friday, well, this is the week our Black Friday stuff that we bought during yeah. Black Friday. Black A Friday, dumb, Black Friday. Dumb Black Friday toys Black for ourselves. Friday. Yeah, Annie and I, we both spent $180 on Black Friday. Annie got her $180 Vita. I got the James Bond Blu-ray collection for was it ninety nine bucks? Mm-hmm. This is insane. Yeah, it's twenty two fucking Blu-rays. Every James Bond movie ever made, except for Sky uh, Skyfall. That's crazy. Um, on Blu-ray, which the best part, it has a little slot for Skyfall. So oh, you can because really the idea it's a fiftieth anniversary, so you yeah. have all fifty years of the movies in this set. Um, I I was thinking, man. Oh, so it's it's twenty two, twenty three James Bond movies. If I watched one a day, I could get this whole set done in a month. But then I didn't realize every ep- every um, movie has like a commentary and documentaries, which I am a total whore for special features. And so I'm, I'm going to want to watch every uh, movie with a commentary, which is funny because like I'm not a big James Bond fan. The only reason I'm high on James Bond now is like everyone else is just because the latest Daniel Craig movie came out and those are good movies. Well, Quantum Solace, but whatever. Uh, so I haven't seen most of these movies. And so this yeah. is kind of a weird kind of like filling in the history lesson. And the other thing is I know a lot of these movies are terrible, especially the Roger Moore movies. But it's still interesting just to kind of go back and it's this nice to have this on the show. Set. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, Annie's, really Annie's well flipping through the, the set right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's two giant like hardback chapbooks. Uh, I think the first one is... All the movies. Uh, 1962 to 1981. Yeah, and the second was 1983 to 2012. And uh, yeah, so I watched uh, Dr. No, which is the first James Bond movie. And uh, that's interesting because it really is kind of like a little bit of the origin of James Bond. Yeah. They talk about, like, the the, the movie starts with uh, his boss, M, yelling at James Bond for not, he's not using the right gun. He, uh, James Bond, uh, up until this point, he's been using a little Beretta. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, like, in the mission right before Dr. No his gun jammed on him and so he got shot and so this mm-hmm. is his, like dr no is his first mission after he got shot because his gun got jammed so m's all like god damn it james bond you we got this new gun for you it's a walter ppk which is funny because that's the gun that james bond is most identified with yeah because that's what he used throughout all the movies yeah. and that's actually what q in skyfall also gives him he's like yeah here's your walter ppk but now it's special and it's funny yeah. you see james bond like lick it and kind of rolls between <laughs> his thighs like oh i love my walter but it's funny to see in dr no like uh, M being like, God damn it, take this yeah. gun, it's so much better than your girl, girly uh, Beretta. Which is funny, the only reason that scene's in the movie is when Ian Fleming, this is part of the documentary on this Blu-ray, was when Ian Fleming was writing the James Bond books, he he had a big fan who kept on like, hounding him about any inaccuracies about guns that he found in the series. And so I guess this guy kept on writing Ian Fleming to say, don't, James Bond should not be carrying a Beretta, because that's what James Bond started out carrying in the books, too. Yeah. He's like, that's a bullshit gun. It's a gun for girls, and you also have him carry it in, like, a soft leather holster so it doesn't ruin the line of his coat. And he's like, that's bullshit, because soft leather holsters get caught on the gun. You want, like, a hard shell holster. Yeah. And he's like, so I guess Ian Fleming was like, okay, what the hell do you want me to James Bond? Yeah. What, what should he be using? And the guy's like, you should be carrying a giant revolver. <laughs> 
no. They have this whole interview with this guy who was yeah. yelling at uh, Ian Fleming. Oh, with it. the bad boy? They actually see him. He's interviewed on this. <laughs> like, it was a featurette they made for like Goldfinger where they're talking about why James Bond uses the w, uh, Walter PPK. And yeah, Ian Fleming is like, you can't have a super spy running around. You can't conceal yeah. a giant like six, like nine inch revolver in yeah. his coat. And so the guy, the compromise was like a guy, the guy was like, okay, use it Walter PPK because that will fuck shit up. More than a girly. He's so insistent <laughs> on this Beretta being a girl's gun. Yeah. That yeah. So he was responsible for the choice of uh, of the Walter PPK. That's pretty. But that's great. a great special feature on on the disc. Man, John Connery is a greasy weirdo. <laughs> he is. He's such like just He's a super weirdo. Dick swinging. Yeah. Ew. Why do you think that uh, that uh, what's his butt has the impression of him in uh, Celebrity Jeopardy on Mesh SNL? Money penny. <laughs> Oh, that kind of thing. But that's what it is. Like, it's it's true to some degree. He's kind I, like, of like, I've seen Gold... I mean, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with Jay, like Sean Connery, James Bond. Goldfinger is still, aside from Casino Royale, probably my favorite James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's such, like, a like young, like... I forgot his James Bond is is the defining characteristic of his James Bond and he doesn't care about anything. Yeah. Like, even girls yeah. are, like... Girls were throwing yeah. himself at him, and he's barely, he's almost contemptuous of women. Yeah. He's like, eh, well, maybe I'll. I guess I'll put my dick in you. Yeah, my dick <laughs> needs to stay warm until I can get back to England and fuck all these chicks, too. <laughs> and, like, it's weirdly racist because he's running around Jamaica. Oh, that's yeah. the other thing, too, because, like, the first, the, this first James Bond movie, it takes place almost entirely in Jamaica, which I guess kind of explains why the James Bond theme is kind of a surf rock. I never aside, considered that. Aside from no. the fact that it takes place in the early '60s, which was a big surf rock era, but like never it's kind of weird that. to listen to why it's all jangly brown. Dum, yeah. dum, 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 dum. It kind of makes huh. sense if it's like like a tropical yeah. kind of theme. I never considered, but that. I guess that just kind of carried for, forward well, yeah, for all the other James. That became yeah. the theme song for him. And uh, but like for some reason, despite the fact that James Bond in well this first James Bond movie is all about takes place in Jamaica, the villains are all Chinese. And so Dr. No is a white guy made up like Chinese, but the funny thing is the makeup is better than the Korean makeup in Cloud (laughs) Atlas. This guy actually looks like he could just be like half Chinese, Mm -hmm. but there's this part, one part where he has sex with a lady. She's got a bunch of weird eye makeup on. It did not occur to me until after the movie was over, I was watching the special feature that she was supposed to be Chinese. Just because I guess they give her the big like cat eye kind of mm-hmm. like eyeshadow, but that's all they didn't. They didn't even try to do any prosthetic makeup. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how stupid did he have to be in 1962 to go? Oh yeah, she got cat eye makeup. She obviously Asian. <laughs> this is obviously not an Asian woman, even half Asian or anything like that. And uh, yeah, between that and yeah, Sean Connery just being like, it's a really good Sean Connery impression, Bill. So that's my that's my first step into the world of exploring James Bond. So speaking of James Bond, I wanted to talk about this in Skyfall, and I forgot. Yeah, Money Penny, the lady who plays Money Penny. Penny. Spoilers for Skyfall. I don't know if it's deliberate, if it is a conscious. Oh, it, you're not in the case. No, you did it again. Bill, you're no good at holstering your books. There you go. You have to. I'm having a hard time putting the James Bond discs back in the case. (laughs) Sad. Uh, I don't know if it's a deliberate thing that she was told to do, or if it's just a natural thing. That she's black. She has a lot of the same facial tics and little, um, little facial movements and little smile. Like her acting is almost exactly like Diana Rigg. You think so? Like, I've watched a lot of Avengers, and um, I, I love Diana Rigg. She's one of my favorite 
I need to go back and watch. Is is the Avengers on Netflix Instant? It was for a while. It was for a while because I'd love to go back and watch. Avengers is really bad, but I love Diana Rigg. She's great in it. What kind of facial tics? Like just there's she does this very particular kind of smile and like this very particular kind of face acting that I've never seen anybody but Diana Rigg do. See, because I love Naomi Harris, the lady who plays Money Penny. Maybe I need to see some more Naomi Harris movies. She's only been in a couple things. She played Tia Dalma, the kind of like the witch lady in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, she did. Oh, uh, she was in the Columbina or whatever. Was it? Wasn't that her? What? Columbiana? There's like a terrible oh, action movie. No, I thought that was with the black lady from the Star Trek movie. Is that her? No, Zoe. Not Zoe Deschanel. What's her name? Sexy, a uh, sexy Uhura. I thought that she was the lady from. I thought it was from Are the lady from Pirates Caribbean. No, the only other thing that I know Naomi Money Perry, uh, Money Penny Harris is from. She was also. In 28 Days Later, which is a zombie oh. movie, so of course you wouldn't have seen no, it. But she happened. was fan. That's actually, she's fucking incredible in that movie. Like, I realized that about maybe a quarter of the way through Skyfall. I was like, what is she, why does she look so familiar to that. me? Well, and that's it's like, thing, so that, that's also one of the reasons why I wanted to get this James Bond collection. It's, I meant, I, like, when, if, when it was revealed that this set was 99 bucks on Amazon, I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, I'm tempted because it's 22 movies for 99 bucks, but it's like also 22 movies that aren't very good. <laughs> But then again, like, there's some yeah. movies I want to see. Like, I've always heard on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. It's supposed to be one of the best, secret best James Bond movies. And the love interest in that is, is Diana Rigg. Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons, justifications why I bought that. And, like, I, I'm sure that's on DVD somewhere. But, like, you know, you get this. I guess this has never been put out on Blu- Blu-ray anymore. But it, it's debuting on Blu-ray for the set. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, fine, fuck it. If this lets me watch all the James Bond movies I ever want to watch, including on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I'll mm-hmm. throw down 99 bucks for that. So yeah, now we'll all just be able to see Daniel, D- uh, Diana Rigg as James Bond's girlfriend in HD. Not his girlfriend, his wife. I know. That's Spoilers. right, Bill. But only his wife for about a scene and a half, I yeah. hear. Yeah. Well, well did you yeah. hear that? I saw a great piece this week talking about how time, like uh, Daniel Craig, or James Bond has to be a Time Lord. Yeah. Because... That sentence... <laughs> How does that sentence, Bill? I'll just link it in the show notes. We're already running along as it is. It's because... How can I respond to that sentence? James Bond has to be a Time Lord. Because it's established that Daniel Craig's ancestral home is the Bond family home. Yet, he has the memories and even the car of Sean Connery Bond? Because he has that 1964 Aston Okay, he has the car. Why do you say memories? Well, memories. Well, he seems to, like... He says, Marty Penny. <laughs> That's the thing. I'll mail it to the show notes anyway. I'm never going to read this article. I can guarantee you right now. That's what I was saying. Well, it's, like, it's, 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 it's specifically. Go, nope. Because he has the 19. He ends up winning in Casino Royale. He ends up winning a 1964 Aston Martin from somebody in a card game in Casino Royale, which right. that was the tribute. Like, oh, this is, this is Sean Connery's car. But. The car that he has, the 1964 Aston Martin he has in Skyfall, is specifically the one he had tricked out in. Uh, Goldfinger. It's got yeah. the ejector seat. It's got the guns, yeah. which yeah. is like you're talking about. It's already established that James Bond, this Daniel Craig James Bond, has only been around for a couple years. He's only been James Bond for a couple years, but he has this car that Sean Connery had in 1960. I know, it's kind of like they've muddled who and what James Bond is and how he relates to other actors who have played James Bond so much just with, with that one movie. It's it's kind of amazing. The only th- way I could be interested in this conversation is if Doctor Who actually had a, him meet another Time Lord, yeah. who is James Bond. All he needed to do, have Daniel Craig play the master in the next uh, uh, Doctor Who special. Is the master also a Time Lord? Yeah. Okay. He's the only other man. Yeah. Okay. 
How have I not made you watch that much Doctor Who? Because I watched about Oh, that's much... right, because you only watched the season of Doctor Who and Master yeah, wasn't in it. I think the only good season of Doctor Who from my exploration of other really Doctor was. Who. Annie's only seen the first uh, season of uh, Matt Smith's Doctor Who. I have tried to watch uh, What's-His-Butt, your favorite, Eccleston, your favorite Doctor Who. It's Matt fine. Smith is probably my favorite, but Eccleston is my runner-up. Eccleston, I watched some of the quote-unquote best episodes of Eccleston. I'm like, okay. I watched some of the quote-unquote best episodes with Tennant. I'm like, all right. Matt Smith actually like, had production values. Yeah, and it's also filmed in HD, just looks prettier. Yeah. Doesn't look like a movie that was shot so, on and someone's that's, butt. And I think I never need to watch Doctor Who again. I think I got enough Doctor Who out of that you, No, you got, you, you got a good hit of Doctor Who. You don't really need to see any more Doctor Who. You know what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, so. And so, yeah, yeah the only thing that this I did this week has been playing... Uh, all my uh, Black Friday games came. I have XCOM, Sleeping Dogs, The Journey Special Edition, Forza Horizon, Spec Ops... Uh, the line and Dragon's Dogma. Spec Ops the line really is just it's uh it's Gears of War starring Nathan Drake. Because it's a third person squad based shooter, yeah. just like Gears of War. Even like the way you throw grenades, yeah. it'll show you a trajectory of where your grenade's gonna land and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like Gears of War. But it's starring uh Nathan Nolan North. Yeah. And uh yeah, but it's with a little sheen of Call of Duty because you're shooting brown people in the Mid East. <laughs> Well, what I've heard about Spec Ops is what is good about it is not the gameplay, it's the story. Yeah, I'm about halfway through the story, and I'm about to the point where they're about to shock me with the revelation that the story <laughs> is a Heart of Darkness tale. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through enemy territory trying to find this guy named Conrad, Joseph Conrad. I talked about this last week, how that, that's the plot of the game. Um, so I'm about halfway through that. Playing Forza Horizon, which is great because that's a... Uh, Annie played a little bit of this before the podcast, where it's a big open world racing game. Kind of, it is neat that it's a sandbox racing game. That's it's very pretty. I like it just because that is a really pretty day-night cycle. I haven't had a ch- chance to play anything else because I'm t- too busy watching fucking Dr. No special features and shit. And what else I do? Saturday. Oh, man, Saturday night. I had post-Thanksgiving uh, hanging out with friend of the podcast, Terry Nelson, mm-hmm. cartoonist lady. She was awesome. She ordered uh, Petty Fours. Petit oh, yeah, how fours was it? From Swiss Colony because, what, yeah. a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I was flipping out about Swiss Colony. Mm-hmm. And she heard me, and so she decided, I'm going to order some Swiss Colony shit. It was great. She got them out of the fridge. She refrigerated them. I guess they get mailed to you refrigerated. So, like, the the, the chocolate frosting, like, the outer shell is kind of like, like, when it's cold, it hardens into, like, like kind of like a very hard truffle. But the insides, because it's mail-order cake, are just kind of, like, dry and powdery. So it's kind of like eating this hard chocolate thing with, like, sugary powder on the inside it wasn't didn't taste bad but the texture was kind of like yeah this is mail order chocolate mm-hmm. cakes mm-hmm. that was fine and then we watched a movie called clown clown it's clown with a k this is a movie it's like a danish movie based off a danish tv show called clown it's all about these this danish guy who he gets his girlfriend pregnant. Oh, oh, of course you guys would watch this movie. Have you seen it? I watched this? the trailer for it. What did you see the like, trailer for? No, thank you. On Apple trailers. <laughs> I, I saw the trailer now? and I was like, fuck all of this. <laughs> no, but you got you and Terry, of all the people I've ever met in my entire life, are the sort of people who clown, would watch that movie. Clown. You can't just pronounce it clown because uh. it's clown. Clown is about, yeah, this guy gets his girlfriend pregnant. And the girlfriend's like, I'm going to get an abortion because you're a terrible, terrible father. And I'm not going to raise this kid myself. And so he's like, I'm going to prove that I am a good father. I'm going to kidnap a small child and prove to you how good I can take care of him. 
And this guy, he ends up uh, kidnapping this child and going out to this sex festival out in the woods <laughs> with his swinger best friend who turns out to be gay. And get everyone, they all get in fucked up trouble. They end up gangbanging this fat lady who lives in the woods. And the, the boy ends up almost drowning in a river. And it's... Oh, come, presumably. Well, and this, there's this whole thing in the movie where the, the, the boy, the kid, little boy that he kidnaps has an extraordinarily tiny penis. And everyone gets drunk. The main character gets drunk and starts taking pictures of his penis and showing them to everyone else around at the sex party in the forest. And it is amazing. And of course, he gets busted. And it's just oh, it is. It's it's, it's hilarious. I guess the sh- uh, the TV show that the movie is based off is kind of rec- based off of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where it's that kind of uncomfortable yeah genre, kind of like the original Office in, in the BBC, where it's the uncomfortable humor yeah. Kind of uncomfortable human humor of an adult man taking pictures of small boys. They actually show the boy's penis. Like actually, it's not just. I at first like you kind of see where he takes the pictures of the boy's penis while he's asleep, and so like it's fucking crazy. And you actually do get to see the photo, and they must have made up a dummy because the boy's penis is like someone's like like the tip of their thumb sticking out of his bald crotch. It is hilarious, clown. (laughs) I recommend clown. So yeah, we're... if you are a wonderful, terrible human being, watch Clown. It was funny, but yeah, it'll make you die inside. Uh, just that, and uh, yeah, the only thing else I've been doing is I've been reading The Annotated Hobbit. The Hobbit movie comes out in two weeks, and I have a copy of The Annotated Hobbit here in the house. Um, do you care about The Hobbit? No. You're going to go see the movie. You don't want to see that shit in 48 frames per second in 3D? If I can, I'm going to go see it in 48. Do you have to do it in 48 frames per second and 3D? All I know is that the theater that... Well, you're not going to go see it at this theater anyway. At the Lloyd 10 Theater, Mm -hmm. which you hate because they cut out half of their parking, which I saw that, yeah. Um, Their IMAX... They have an IMAX 3D screening where it is just... It's IMAX, so it's 3D, 3D, it's 3D. Okay. It's one of the few theaters in the country that's actually doing it, though. Yeah. But if you go there, that's that's the only option. I'm sure other places... It sounds like they are releasing it. You can, you can just go 2D, 24 frames a second. Mm-hmm. You can go 2D IMAX, mm. 24 frames a second. It sounds like some places are IMAX, not 3D, but still IMAX, but also for... You know, like, yeah. between the three variables of 2D, not 2D... Yeah, between IMAX and not IMAX, between 3D and not 3D, and between 24 frames a second and 48 frames per second, every possible permutation of the film is going to be out there. Yeah. And just depending what what version of the film is available to you, it sounds like it just depends on where you live at and how many theaters you have available I to I would you, go but... see 48 frames per second if it was not 3D. <sighs> yeah. I would pay the like same amount, much. but I can't do, <laughs> I can't do yeah. 3D. So I'm tempted to go see a screening before... Like the day it comes out, just to have just to have something to talk about on the podcast in two weeks, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Pay twenty four dollars. It's well, that's the other thing. IMAX tickets. It's going to be seventeen dollars ticket. If they charge per feature, it's going to be a fifty dollars. I know, seriously. <laughs> but yeah, no, the annotated Hobbit is super goddamn cute. They talk about there's one part where. Uh, have you ever read the Hobbit? Yeah, I had to read it in high school. Remember we had this conversation about it? Yeah. What do you think? I hate it. There's... I don't think I finished it. No, I didn't finish it. That was the first time I've ever read Cliff Notes Spoilers, in my life. Spoilers, uh, wins. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a scene, like, the annotations are great, because they talk about all the different revisions yeah, that uh, Tolkien made. Um, like, he talks about, there's a scene where Bilbo feeds the dwarves that come to his house. Mm-hmm. He feel, in the original version of the book, he feeds them cold chicken and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Tolkien, 20 years later, revised that because he decided that tomatoes are too American, so he changed okay. it to cold chicken and pickles. <laughs> 
because tomatoes come from America, he was like, Fair that's enough. not Hobbit enough. Fair enough. One of the interesting things I was reading that today is in the original version of The Hobbit, published man, in 1937. Cold chicken and t- tomatoes sound really good. Anyway. No, that's what I'm saying. That's if you, man. If I wish I were dwarf, just going. <laughs> Could you imagine hanging out eating cold chicken and pickles <laughs> or tomatoes in Bag End, that <laughs> awesome little house and have have some pipe weed and yeah. just kind of like by the fire jerking Chilling. off in a Hobbit bathtub. <laughs> I was thinking about if everything in Bag End is Hobbit sized, where does Gandalf shit when he's staying there? <laughs> in the woods, Bill. He's he'd have to. Where he just teleports his, his feces do they out have, of butt. Do they have toilets in the Tolkien world? I think Tolkien's gonna. I'm sure he <laughs> thought Bill, about that. Look at me. Of course he has an answer to that question. He just do they have chamber pots? I bet you they do. Guess what? And then he just shit in the woods. That's Dwarven fine. chamber pots, like yeah. laden with gold? Yes. No, smog took With them like all. a little. <laughs> This is why the dwarves are so they've been shitting in their own pockets. <laughs> How do you shit into your pocket? Do you have to take off your pants? No, and like, and the, is the there like a your device, like a chest, like a rib spreader that just keeps your pocket open? No, you just like you know how they have those special things for dogs, like pa- like pants for dogs that like have the pocket right over the butthole. That... Do you need a diaper bill? <laughs> no, but like specifically a pocket that's like a fixed, like a sphinx on the butthole. <laughs> I've seen diapers. Why? Why do you need diapers when you can just put a balloon on a baby's penis? <laughs> Clown. <laughs> That's it, Bill. Anytime you say anything terrible, you're a clown. That is freeze frame roll credits. Clown. <laughs> Clown with a K. Um. What? <laughs> oh, my last note before we no, finally go into the... The annotations of the Hobbit. The annotations of the Hobbit. The most interesting annotation I've read so far was he was really uh, talking about how in the original version of the Hobbit, there was a lot of asides where he, as the author, speaks directly to the reader. Oh, really? Because he wrote it like what a children's book is, where there's a lot of times where the author turns around and said, well, I told you what, what happened in the last chapter. This is why this character does this. And he said... Uh, you know, the book got published that way, and then he would read that book after it got published to his kids, and his kids were like, why are you reading like That just sounds stupid. Uh-huh. And he realized, well, like, that's talking down to children. Yeah. I should treat children as adults. And he went back, when he revised the book, he rewrote all that stuff just to say, you know, it's just, it's normal third-person voice. Yeah. He, like, he took out all the parts where, like, Peter Pan does this all the time, where right. it's always, like, addressing the, like, I'm going to tell you a story about Peter Pan. This is right. why this happens. Right. This is why this character thinks this. And so, yeah, he went back and decided, well, I thought, like, I should just go make The Hobbit a story for people, not yeah. a story for children, but make it a story for people and just assume that if kids are young enough to understand the story, yeah. that's fine. If not, then, you know, they could just read another book. But that's actually kind of the evolution of yeah. uh, The Hobbit from a children's book to a just a book mm-hmm. by Tolkien's own hand, spurred on by the input from his own kids. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. His kids had taste, saying, fuck this shit. Why you got to tell me what, Hob- what, 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 what Bilbo's thinking? Just show me what he's doing, you know. Yeah. You know. Pretty cool. The end. I'm glad you're having a good time with it. Clown. <laughs> Clown. All right, friends. We're going to take a little break. And we'll come back for the Geek Week in review. All right, friends. Now it's time for the Geek Week in review. That's not interesting. I was goading Annie for having a really flashy comeback going into this next segment. And that's, that's what you Go give me with. your flashy comeback. Uh, I laugh like Michael Sheen. <laughs> I'm going to steal your baby. Studio Ghibli has announced yeah, its next 
Sorry. <laughs> As I Judy... stole the baby. I stole the TV. <laughs> you done? Yeah. Studio Ghibli has announced that its next two films are uh, The Wind Rises, directed by Miyazaki, which will be based on Miyazaki's manga about the engineer who designed... Miyazaki. Dis- Close enough. Annie, what I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you to come over and f- read all this shit for free and then <laughs> criticize you constantly for it. You Annie, you're not, you're not energy enough. You're not getting it right. I'm the Pete Horner burger dear Liz Lemon. Anyway, go ahead. Apparently, it'll be based <laughs> on Miyazaki's manga about the engineer who designed the Zero fighter plane during World War Two. I didn't know he had done that manga. Uh, you know what? I didn't hear about that either. But it's it's interesting because supposedly Miyazaki's interest in flying stuff uh, is a mm-hmm. result of the fact that his family owned the the Miyazaki Flight Company, mm-hmm. which I guess uh, designed and manufactured the rudders for these Zero planes. Interesting. Which is funny because like if my racist grandfather who fought in Italy during World War Two. Knew that, like, one of my favorite filmmakers is this guy, this animation guy whose family helped build the Zero uh, fighter planes from yeah. World War II. He'd probably kill me. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's, that's that interesting. That would be interesting. So, but, yeah, so I guess he decided, well, it, the, the manga that he, I don't know how long, how long this manga is. I don't know if it's just a short he did, like mm-hmm. a one-off, or it's been an ongoing series he's been doing for a long time. Uh, but I guess uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 the sort of story who of the guy who who designed the the, the Zero fighter plane for Japan during World War Two, uh, but everyone's is pig people, which is oh. kind of like did you ever see Porco Rosso? I know of it, but I'm not which yeah, it. it's a, it's a movie about a pilot about a guy who's turned into a pig, and so mm-hmm. everyone's wondering if this is gonna be kind of like a spiritual successor to that. Mm-hmm. Who know? I like I who, like it'll be interesting. To see but about the Zero plane, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so it'll be kind of funny if it's like kind of like a biopic of this guy, but also Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Where everyone's pigs and chickens and shit, yeah. The other film announced was The Princess Kaguya Story. Yeah, I guess so. Directed by Isao Takahata, which will be adaptation of the Japanese legend Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. I've I, I've heard of the Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. I can't remember what yeah, the... Yeah, I have which one, Yeah, because I, I know it's a famous uh, story. Uh, Isao Takahata, he, uh, he's the guy who made the hilarious Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. So two feel good crowd pleaser right there, <laughs> yeah. So oh uh, yeah, but those are going to be the the next two movies from Studio Ghibli. That's awesome. Like not just on the books, but those are going to be the next two. And yeah, Miyazaki and uh, Takahata, they're, they're the Studio Ghibli's two big directors. So That's it's awesome. nice to see both those guys. I mean, what Miyazaki's? Well, every goddamn time Miyazaki makes a movie, he says, "Oh, this is it. This is my yeah. last." And then he turns on six months later. I am making a movie about evil vegetables. Maybe he's pulling a Lucas. Maybe he wants to make his last fighter pilot World War II movie, and then he's done. Yeah. Because if if you're going to go out on something, it'll be something deeply personal, and this seems like it's something that's very personal to him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, oh, man. Not Ponyo. You know, I love Ponyo. But that's not quite the statement (laughs) you want your career on. It's like, a girl who is a fish. (laughs) Ponyo is, I think, my favorite Miyazaki movie. Oh, that is kind of sad. Also, The Wind Rises. If that's his last movie, that really sounds kind of like a apocalyptic end of life spiritual like yeah. the wind rises the wind is miyazaki's spirit yeah oh man now if he dies i'm gonna blame you <laughs> it's all my fault yeah so yeah so that's cool in other news it sounds like joseph gordon lovett may be playing batman in the 2015 justice league movie uh yeah because i guess it was confirmed that there will be a new batman well they, they well we knew there was going to be a different batman See, i hadn't heard too much about this well it's it was gonna be this is apparently the superman movie that's coming out that is the superman that is in this justice league movie they've yeah. said that much but the, and they they've said that it will not be christopher nolan's batman but what the reason why people are assuming it's joseph gordon lovett is that they have said there will be a connection to the spider-man spoiler for dark knight rises well, every, what's funny is that everybody's like, why is so why doesn't he become Nightwing? 
Which is just the is most Nightwing adorable just question. Macho Robin? Which when Robin grows up, he becomes Nightwing. Gives a shit. But my thing is, is that it's not that I think in Nightwing is invalid as a character, but when you're making a movie where you're trying to make a billion dollars, you don't make it about Nightwing. <laughs> That's kind of what Justice League's featuring Wonder Woman. It's like Superman and Nightwing. So Justice League is that is that like Wonder Woman? Are they gonna yeah. have to cast? Well, I'm assuming it's gonna be. Woman. Who is it playing Superman in the next Superman movie coming out? Oh, next what's summer? his butt? Pretty guy. Some British dude. Uh, handsome guy. So are they? So they're gonna have to cast a Wonder Woman, right? Shit. Yeah, it's weird because this is going to be a Justice League movie where the only person who who is already pre-cast will be the Superman. Everyone else yeah. is going to have to come up with new characters. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to scrap new, new Ryan Reynolds. That that Green Lantern. Oh, is Green Lantern is not part of the be... Justice League? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sucks because Ryan Reynolds doesn't. I've never seen the movie, but he would not make. You could make a good Green Lantern movie or make a good. Yeah. What Justice League movie? Yeah. Starring. Ryan Reynolds as a Green Lantern. It's yeah. not like you have to get rid of Ryan Reynolds, but I could see if they just want to start over. They're not going to associate it with that movie. Know, it's I not going to happen. That's kind of a shame. But, yeah. A website has been created that lists all the theaters will be showing The Hobbit in 48 frames per second next month. Bill yeah, and, and I, we, we just spent 20 minutes talking about this before yeah. on break, just but talking still, about where we're going to go see it. Bill will note the Because, yeah, Annie doesn't care about The Hobbit, but she's interested just seeing what this movie looks like in 48 frames I mean, yeah, Peter Jackson second. is a, a beautiful filmmaker. Like, it's worth see, showing up for his movies, even if they're not very good. Yeah, really King cute. Kong is an Empirically bad movie, but I don't regret seeing it. Yeah, you know, it's like I'll see what he does. And forty-eight oh, frames God. per second, I want to see what the fuck that's like, that's especially funny. in something like The Hobbit. Three hours long, half CGI. Yeah, yeah, like something so fantastical to have that extra like that, touch of reality. That's almost like the ultimate test of forty-eight frames per, per second. Yeah, exactly. A movie that long with that much like artificial imagery. Yeah, to see if how well that holds up. Like not a war movie, not a sports movie, but kind of warm fuzzy like a hot chills. Hot, yeah, we're a bunch of dwarves. <laughs> Eating fruit, <laughs> we're washing dishes, singing a song. <laughs> yeah, the new Star Trek movie has a synopsis. When the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, <laughs> they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization that has deton- de- detonated the fleet. <laughs> I was like, really, detonated the fleet and everything it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. With a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, a lot of people are assuming the very first Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the second Star Trek episode after the pilot. Yeah, uh, is about uh, Captain Kirk has a best friend who becomes who develops godlike powers and threatens the whole universe. Yeah, and so this sounds like kind of what it would be about. So it's the Rainmaker. <sighs> the hell's the rainmaker from looper oh it is the rainmaker they should just tie it into that it was <laughs> looper i well, my birthday's next weekend and i was like oh man i like i love, love having people over for uh movies and stuff i either like to have people over from for people uh for, to watch hang out watch movies on my birthday or i go to the movies myself mm-hmm. looper will be at the hollywood theater in 35 millimeter oh really mm-hmm. looper i think it comes out on blu-ray on christmas did you see down at the hollywood theater there oh not the, is it the hollywood what's the one that's downtown portland the Fox Tower. The, not the Fox Tower, but the Living old... Living Room Theater? Not the Living Room Theater, where we went to go see Blade Runner. Oh, Cinema 21. The Cinema 21. Uh, it's uh, Bogart Week next yep. week. Uh, they're showing it's, every... It started today. Uh, yeah, every... Uh, yeah, so spoilers, if you're in Portland and you love... Spoilers. Friend of the podcast, Casablanca, will be, show, <laughs> be showing at... Yeah, they're, yeah, showing yeah, of, they're doing Casablanca Maltese and Falcon and... The Big Sleep. The Big Sleep. It's those and three. I think there's one more. I think there's... No, well, I, I know that's on my birthday on, on Wednesday. That's the, that's where... I was thinking about going there, but like I don't know if I can sit through three of those movies. 
Those are fine, but I don't know. I have to figure out what I'm doing for my birthday. But that's great. No, so what? Dan wow. Stevens, the dude who plays the main dude Matthew Crawley on Downton Abbey, yeah, maybe leaving the show to focus on breaking into Broadway. He may only appear in the first episode of season four and then vamos. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Downton Abbey? He is actually the character that made me stop watching because it's his, his big speech where he's like, I am Downton Abbey that made me stop watching. No, it's actually, no, that's the guy who's oh, get, hearing the him. speech. Oh. Because over time, the main character has kind of become this guy who is oh, going see, to I, I watched Downton half Abbey. of the first episode. So. And so, well, so, Downton Abbey, it sounds like season three is mostly aired in Britain. It's going to start up here on the stage in January. So it sounds like he's only going to be around for like one more episode. And yeah, he wants to be on Broadway. He wants to be a Broadway star. Not, not even huh. like on the West End or anything like that. But like hmm. he wants to sing in New York. God which bless. Most people, you know, I guess a lot of people consider that like a downgrade. But hey, at least you know what's well, he wants to do. Well, it depends if you're into the theater. That's that's the apex right there, my friend. Yeah. So at least you know what he wants to do. But yeah, he's kind of the main character. I don't know what they're going to do without him. Because hmm. supposedly Maggie Smith is leaving at the end of the season, too. Oh, really? So you're kind of lo- losing a, with the, everyone's favorite character, and then the main character is leaving. That's a hell of a thing. Um, What what a personage of historical significance from, like, the 1920s or 30s can you have slide in there to be, suddenly become the main character and or Maggie Smith replacement? Does it, it have to be? Is, is, is there, like, stunt historical figures in Delton Abbey? Sometimes. Could it be? <laughs> What they do? They kind of mash it with Harry Potter, Grundlewald. <laughs> there the we wizard. go. There we he go. He comes to power at Downton Abbey. There we go. And it's so it's 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 Downton Abbey, but mm-hmm. it's also Grundlewald the wizard making mm-hmm. out with young Dumbledore. There we go. Boom. Done. And then you got hot gay stuff, but it's also Harry Potter <laughs> stuff. And people are gonna love to see that shit. <laughs> who do you get? Who do you cast as young Dumbledore? You, Michael Sheen is young Grindelwald. <laughs> Martin Sheen, because he's already old, but he's not that old. Martin Sheen plays young Dumbledore. Because he's all like... And then they have you, know, you, know you call that episode of the make out? Yeah. The Sheening. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We just have to write ITV. And then, yeah. Uh, Julian Fellows, the creator of Downton Abbey, is also creating the Gilded Age for NBC, which sounds like an attempt to create an American Downton Abbey. Which is weird because he already announced that he was going to create a prequel series of Downton Abbey, which would be take place during the Gilded Age, the late 19th century. Huh. Uh, which would document how um, the 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 mom of the the, the Downton Abbey family, because mm-hmm. she's from America, yeah. how she got introduced to the Downton Abbey family. Hmm. The is this not that prequel? Would no one knows? But this sounds like it would at least be taken at the same. It would be interesting. Well, since she's the American character, yeah. Instead of just making the, the American Downton Abbey, you just have a spinoff that takes place in America, which features yeah. that character growing up. And, like, you could still have, like, it'd be great. I mean, that's a really smart idea. Yeah. But I, I guess it's up to NBC whether or not they want to be, like... Oh, that's a good point, if it's an NBC program. But that could be kind of interesting. I love, it. like, uh, the production values of uh, Downton Abbey and stuff are pretty enough that, like, I like that world. It's a good world. And I, yeah. I, would not, I would not mind there being more Downton Abbey in the world. Dark Horse has announced a limited edition of the Hyrule Book coming out this winter. Yeah. Limited to 4,000 copies. What is special about this They're already edition, sold Bill? out. It's, um, They're already sold it's out. hardcover. Uh-huh. Uh, it's supposed to be a fake leather cover that mm-hmm. looks like, I guess it's got the crest of Hyrule on it. Yeah. And it's supposedly the cover is made up to like 
to look like an actual real book from the world of Hyrule. Oh, that's it's like kind of well, almost like what they did with the Finder special edition. Yeah, where it looks like Marcy's book from uh, yeah. uh, Finder Talisman. So I guess it's that same idea. That's awesome. cost twice as much, but it's already sold out almost everywhere if you go online. Wow, I already put a pre-order out on Amazon. But oh, did you see the Nintendo Power cover got leaked this week? The last yeah. Nintendo Power sculpted by front of the podcast Leslie Levings. It looks beautiful. It's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. really great because it's an allusion to the first cover of Nintendo Power, which was a clay universally thing. adored online i love that everyone's feedback yeah online was like oh, well it was a nice touch that mario's about to jump on the flag yeah it's the end. end the level it's fantastic That's a nice and like really leslie did nice a great touch. job it was a good idea yeah yeah it's really well done and it's i mean it's new super mario brothers 2 mm-hmm. you know it's like oh man that was very fantastic good times nintendo is releasing a 99 dollars wii mini in canada did you yeah only it's, in it's canada? A canada exclusive most of them are going to be sold or going to be imported down to America, I'm sure. Like, people, like... I didn't know the Canada detail. I have no idea. That's such a weirdly specific market. Especially, like, even if it's only timed, like, timed exclusive, like, why wait until, like, like maybe January to suddenly start also, selling that other places? Also, why Canada? Because they're too cold to run the internet. <laughs> well, did you see that, like, it doesn't have internet capability and it doesn't run, run uh, GameCube games? Which, that's... They revised yeah. the, Wii U hard, uh, the Wii hardware last year and it didn't have GameCube stuff. But the yeah. lack of internet is weird. But did you see what it looks like? No. It looks like a Pizza Hut. <laughs> it looks like a box. It's it's a pizza red hut. and black black plastic box top loading. Huh. But it just look, kind of looks like a weird, like, it looks like a pizza box from Pizza Hut. Or like, huh. pizza, it's you'd have to see it, but it looks like something from like 1985. Wait, is it red and black? It's colored like the Virtual Boy? Yeah. Huh. But it's very tiny. Like, the console itself, like, stand stood up on its end is only a little bit taller than a Wiimote. So it is very wee. It is really like wee 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 wee. wee. That's why so. it's in Canada for all them Frenchy Canadians. Yeah. This week was also the birth of the number one reason why hashtag a trip. Should into we even misery. talk about this because uh, there's not much to say other than it was very cool that it happened. Yeah. So any of y'all who did not who somehow missed this, there was a hashtag floating around on Twitter. Um, hashtag number one reason why, and it was the number one reason why. There aren't more women developers in gaming. And really what it boiled down to was a bunch of women developers sharing their bad experiences in development. Or just like, it shouldn't say necessarily bad experiences, but experiences that only happened because they were a woman in gaming development. Uh, It was terrible that number two reason why was Bill Mudron. (laughs) It's not wrong. What was what was interesting though? It so it was really gratifying to see all these women because when you are in a male dominated anything, the worst thing you can do nine times out of ten is express how you are or in any way, shape, or form, articulate that maybe you aren't having the best time and maybe you aren't included and maybe you're being excluded because like oh you want special treatment. I've experienced this time and again. The last thing you do when you're in these situations is bitch about it because it'll just come back to bite you in the yeah. ass. So it was really gratifying to see all these women kind of come together and have a shared experience and, like, have it be a safe, shared thing, well, like think, a communal like, thing. Yeah, it wasn't just limited to Twitter, too. This got picked up by, like, Time Magazine and a lot of big internet blogs, too. Oh, did Time pick it up? Yeah, it wasn't just limited to the echo chamber of Twitter, but, like, this actually made the rounds and for something that seemed to be kind of spontaneous that happened in the middle of the week, this yeah. this, this really got a lot of write-ups and What's nice a little is that... more awareness about this shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not really going to fix anything. Well, and, but what's but... nice is that there was then the number one reason, like, mentors that came up, which yeah. were all these people who, like, wanted to reach out to other lady gamers and or, like, yeah. lady developers. It was, a, it was a neat thing to witness. It's, it's nice to see sometimes the internet can kind of do good things. And Yeah. Did you... S- 
was really a pain in the ass just to see all the people who were trying to, like, use the number one reason why hashtag to criticize all of that. Oh, that was pain. Well, then I saw a couple other things where people were, like, women in other media were trying to use the number one reason why to talk about stuff in there and, like, like comic book stuff. Yeah. And that didn't, that kind of bounced off everyone. It was, it was nice to see very, like, video game developers specifically talk about. Well, which is funny you should say that because I think the person who started it was a tabletop gaming developer. Oh, really? So yeah. it didn't turn into... Which makes sense. How many tabletop female developers are going to be like, God damn, this Cards Against Humanity is driving me crazy this week. But yeah. a lot of them can, because I think that is the well, even a more can. closed But there's like table, like, there are a number, number of people, number of women, or people in general working in tabletop games compared to the mm-hmm. video game industry. You know, it's, it's a different thing. Uh, oh, dude, well, speaking of uh, internet Twitter stuff, did you see, do you follow Jen Frank at all? No. Uh, she had this, oh man, you got a sick grandpa right now, so I should be bringing this I up. I started to read that article and I couldn't read it. Yeah. She, uh, had a great piece about, uh, her sick mom dying in video games and it's, I'll have to link it in the show notes. I can't remember where it got posted to, but Genitar is, uh, I call her Genitar because that's her Twitter handle. Jen Frank is one of my favorite online writers, right? Now. Well, not just favorite writers. I don't have to qualify with online. She's Kitty Fantastico. I love her shit. But I will read that when I don't have a relative who's dying. That's what I'm saying. Which pretty much, you know what? That's depressing for anyone who is an orphan who has never loved anyone. I think that's going to be a little teary-eyed for people. So yeah, it's it's a really rough reading, but it's fantastic. I love Jen Frank. This week, a marketing memo is released that detailed uh, Bungie's next game, Destiny. Yeah, so it sounds like this was going to be unveiled at the video game, uh, the VGAs uh, next weekend. It still will be because they. Uh, no, it it's... still will be. But like, it sounds like they were like. This marketing stuff got sent out or was being compiled for the yeah. reasons that this was going to be part of a marketing press packet that was going to be sent out yeah. when the game got unveiled. What's but interesting is that what got revealed was the world building, which is all very interesting, but not necessarily the gameplay yeah. or how like yeah. they keep stressing social. I'm really curious to see what this is. And social, I would be a little more blue sky about what that could be, but according to this, this will be launching on the Xbox 360 next fall, along with the version for the next. This pretty much also confirms that there will be another Xbox, a new yeah. like Xbox. Uh, I guess, well, this all ties into uh, news of this game first got unveiled earlier this spring mm-hmm. when Bungie, was it Bungie got dragged into Activision lawsuit against Infinity Ward? Something happened where details of a Bungie game called Destiny that would be a big oh, online I didn't know about social that. game. Yeah, that's the first place anyone ever heard about this game. Hmm. But, like, back then uh, it was established that Activision... Because Activision is publishing this game for Bungie. Mm-hmm. And Activision was in the middle of suing the guys from Infinity Ward who was making the Call of Duty games. And I can't remember exactly how Bungie got dragged into that lawsuit, but details of this game and how uh, Bungie's contract with Activision to release this game for both it was the next Xbox was named the uh, Xbox code name the Xbox uh, 720 in these core documents that hmm. were leaked. Oh, I didn't know about this in this thing. So yeah, so it sounds like it's pretty much official that uh, there will be a new Xbox next year. This game will be released for both the 360 and the next Xbox. Which, if it, the the game is that social, I wonder what kind of like how it's going to use Xbox Live in its current state. Probably what it'll be is that there will be all of these really badass features that you can only access if you're on the 720. Uh, that's what I would imagine. Because I'm wondering if uh, if the uh, 360 version might be just more like Halo, where it's like the online stuff is just more or less deathmatch. Mm-hmm. But if this game is supposed to be any kind of an MMO, yeah, where you can have whole see that's what's interesting huge like gangs of people social together, thing. They'll, they'll have to revamp Xbox Live's basic basic architecture and how you yeah. interact with other people in order to do if this game is going to be as so uniquely social. Mm-hmm for consoles as, as it sounds like it's supposed to be yeah it sounds like uh, xbox live is uh, gonna have to undergo overhaul to manage that 
I'm intrigued by it because so. it seems to be like a future almost medieval-y sort yeah, of like well, post-apocalyptic thing. It's funny because I've been reading the Nausicaa books too and like some of the artwork kind of looks like from Miyazaki's Nausicaa where it's uh-huh. kind of like it's dudes who are obviously supposed to be knights but like with kind of big rifles and sweeping robes and kind of weird kind of like Miyazaki-esque kind of like masks a mm-hmm. little bit and big kind of like insect tank things. Mm-hmm. So it looks a little bit like me. But then Jojo, uh, friend of the podcast, Joshin Yamada, he showed me... Um, there's a Japanese manga which takes place in like a post-apocalyptic World War Two mm-hmm. that a lot of like kind of like not quite steampunk but like World War Two punk yeah kind of like robots and stuff and he actually pointed out that a lot of stuff in this game kind of looks like that I can't remember what the name of this this anime series was but yeah it kind of looks like stuff from there yeah it's and... an interesting it's an interesting uh it, I I'm intrigued by the yeah. world building that they've it done. sounds like the, this they're they're trying to make well it's weird because Bungie's the court documents got that got leaked, which talk about how many games they're going to produce for Activision. The contract was they're going to produce four games between, between between now and 2020. Yeah, with an expansion pack uh, every off year. So yeah, it's going to be a new giant piece of content every year for pretty much the next decade. And uh, Bungie's explicitly stated that the, the, this universe is supposed to be more geared towards all ages. Hmm. It's supposed to be more mythic, more kind of Star Wars-esque yeah. So hopefully, yeah, they did. They did explicitly say an appealing. I didn't really read it that way, but that's true. They said it's supposed to be an appealing world like Star Wars. They explicitly yeah. call. And the only plot is that there's a giant. It's 700 years in the future. It sounds like it's post-apocalyptic because humanity is living on Earth on the ruins yeah. of humanity's golden age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's bits of like ruined uh, human tech uh, scattered on different planets throughout the solar system. And this giant alien snowball comes down to the Earth, which is almost like a little mini moon that is, for some reason, here to protect the Earth from yeah. alien invaders coming in from the opposite side of the galaxy, which is a lot like Halo, where that yeah. takes place hundreds of years in the future, and you're going to have to fight aliens to protect Earth. So that's nothing new for Bungie. But I would assume, like, if this is going to be a giant social thing, there, there's got to be female characters you can play as. Mm-hmm. There's got to be different, like... It can't just be a single solo first-person shooter... With a solo campaign with a deathmatch multiplayer mode. Well, I wonder it's if it's not going to have a single-player mode. Or if it's going to be a single-player mode in the way that, well, like, a campaign... Well, it's got a Warcraft. Yeah, like an MMO single-player. Like, not single-player, but like a path. Well, there's a story, but, like, yeah. yeah, other people can fall in and out of it. The whole but social aspect is interesting. Yeah. yeah. And if any, and, and Bungie, they pretty much define Xbox Live yeah. by the needs of what they need to do to pull off multiplayer stuff with, on, on, the, on the Halo games. And so hopefully, like, this, if this, I'm hoping this game is really ambitious enough to help form, well, if this is a multi, this is a multi-platform game, so it's going to be on the PlayStation 3 and others. Oh, is it? Although, according to this, it sounds like it's going to be released for the Xbox platforms first. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's another thing where Bungie's probably talking to Microsoft again about, you're designing this and this next Xbox, we've got this crazy game in mind that we're going to make, make, like, kind of exclusive for your console for a little while. You might want to make your uh, make Xbox Live function a little bit like this, and so that be uh, th- this might be hand in hand with the evolution of Xbox Live, which could be, be interesting, interesting to see. So. I'm I'm just really curious about this whole social aspect. But yeah, we'll find out in a week. We'll probably get actual details. I, I like we, no one knows if it's a first person shooter, or a third person shooter, or what the hell. Uh, but yeah, we'll probably get details. Is the v- are the VGAs next weekend? I think they are. I think that's what it's it always is. the first weekend of December, isn't it? God, dude. <sighs> Should we talk about... Should next week be our Game of the Year podcast or the week after that? Sure. Because I noticed last year was our VGA 
in the next two weeks, we'll, we'll make that decision. Yeah, so. uh, Tarantino reconfirmed his desire to retire from filmmaking after his next few films, so he doesn't end up as a crappy old man making crappy, flaccid films. He called it Death Proof as his worst film, though he did say it's not bad movie for a left-handed movie. I don't know what suddenly made him come out and say, yeah, P.S. Death Proof. Don't like it that much, but it's still not that bad. It's, well, I think his point was, he's like, I haven't made, I think in context, he said, I well, haven't made a crappy movie yet. D- D- Death Proof was a really, was not a great movie, but yeah. he said, it's like, it's still not bad for being something I was trying he to do. He sounds like his job as a role, pl- a- a- as a filmmaker is almost like a, like managing a role playing game. Cause he talks <laughs> about like Death Proof not hurting his rating yeah. too much. Yeah. He's really he worried wants to about go like out, his yeah. stats. He's worried about his cred. Well, and it's with good reason. Cause he's talking about when he wants to retire, he wants to write all the, he's working on all these books about other filmmakers. Yeah. He, cause he's Tarantino. He looks at these filmmakers just, as these holistic, like, like this creature with this back catalog. And he wants he to be one of the greats. as Pokemon. Yes. He wants to he retire wants to be... as Mewtwo. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to have the best stats. He wants to be the best there ever was. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, Bethesda came out and said Dishonored sales, both in October yeah, and on Black hear. Friday, managed to beat expectations and that Dishonored will probably become a franchise. Woo! I'm not so interested in the franchise aspect, but it's great that that game sold well because well, it was a good game. It's a good game. Well, I'm glad that they did what well you... making a game. I don't know. Could it, well, it could still be Corvo because it's established at the end of uh, Dishonored that he still spends the rest of his life in service to. Well, it depends on your ending. That's not what happened to the end of my game. What? What happened? This is another end? game where it's like what happened at the end. It's got to be prequel. It's got to be about young. Oh, what Corvo. happened to your ending? At the end of my game. Um, uh, uh, Spoilers for Dishonored. Oh, actually, no. I take that back. At the end of my game, he did serve the princess. That's what I'm saying. But you can have what endings kind of where he goes off, he he where your the princess dies. Well, yeah, so you, but you, you can leave. just say that's non-canon. But but <laughs> you dude is like choice, choice. Why doesn't choice matter? Oh, that's not canonical. I I, I I don't think princess dying is canonical. So speaking ending. of choice, you had asked before what was good about Minerva's Den, and it was made me think about it. I played Minerva's Den and Walking Dead right on top of each other, mm-hmm. and where they're both good is that um, where Minerva's Den cho- chooses to discard like a huge part of Bioshock, which is moral choice. There isn't any moral choice it in Bioshock like plot, in, yeah. in Minerva's Den, which was kind of great. And then in uh, Walking Dead, it's like where you have choices, but they're not strictly, they're not on moral guidelines. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting to have all these games because choice in games is ridiculous because it really is good or bad. Like, that's one of the reasons why I kind of liked Mass Effect and that your choices, where they are on moral lines, they have ramifications that you don't necessarily see immediately. And when you choose to be Paragon or Renegade, it's not evil or good. It's just kind of, like, um, wholesome or badass. See, I think one of the most candy decisions with uh, The Walking Dead was, too, like, in video games when you have moral decisions, there's only so much those moral decisions can affect the story and the plot. Right. Because you're still always, always being focused towards, you're being funneled towards a very specific ending. Sometimes yeah. the flavor of that ending can be different, but just mechanically, there's only so many different ways situations can turn out in a video game. Yeah. And so will have it be a budget downloadable title for five bucks on Xbox yeah. Live or whatever. And so instead of pretending that these moral choices you make are going to be world shattering stuff, sometimes it's, are you an asshole to this person or not? Yeah. So someone's going to die in this situation. It's two different people who really aren't that much different from each other. But, like, you, you just might like this person more. But this yeah. person might be more effective in combat. But you know they're probably not going to... Neither of them going to last for very long. Yeah. But instead of trying to make one person, like, oh, my God, you have to save this person or this other, per- other person's... It's it's not black or, black or white, good or yeah. evil choices. 
they they own up the fact that like in the end these choices aren't really going to affect the overall all story that much it's just the flavor of your experience Wait, it's funny that you say that because that is how it is that is how it is. The game literally opens, which says this story, like every single episode is like the choices you make in this game affect the story. Yeah. The game does not it present does. it that way, yeah. but you perceive it as it's nice that it adds flavor. Whereas in a game like Mass Lava. Effect, where I, th- I would argue the same thing there, it's like, you're like, oh, well, Although, that's not. B- uh, Bioware came out before Mass Effect 3 and they made the mistake, which bit them on the ass of coming out and saying, there's going to be so many crazy endings to this series. Like well, how how this how series? How do you define an ending though? There was a quote where they came very. I heard this quote get passed around a lot as a result of of, of the kerfuffle over Mass Effect 3's ending, where like a couple months before the game came out, one of the writers, Corey Doc, yeah. like whatever the guys was like, there's going to be all these different endings, and yes. there really there was three endings color coded. See, this is when you define ending as the last 15 minutes of the game. That is only. I mean, one technically, ending. fall. I remember before Fallout 3 came out, they were talking about there was literally 500 different kinds of endings you get. They're all really the same ending with slightly different things. What is the like ending? With... I would argue that when you look at Mass Effect series as a whole, the entire final game is are different endings. It's what you experience at the end of the game. That's the thing. Mass Effect 3, you, you essentially it's experience... the end of Mass Effect. What you're told is the result of your actions is different, but what you experience is almost the same thing for everybody. Well, I mean, but again, it's the, it's all about the details in those moments. Like, did you destroy Malin's data? Did you save the... What are they? The Arachni? Did you, like, those moments are entirely different. There are all these different things that are happening based on your course of the game. Is the well, ending... that's the body game. I'm just talking about the ending. But different. that's, yeah. my uh, my whole thing is that the ending of Mass Effect is Mass Effect 3. That is how I perceive that. It's like... Man, it's... you know what people can get more of talking about the ending of Mass Effect 3? <laughs> Congratulations. You feel about Mass Effect the way I now feel about Prometheus. Yeah. Um, Spike and Entertainment Weeklies came out with their uh, Game of the Decade nominations. And they I are... I did type Entertainment Weeklies. That just sounds like an old person. I love the entertainment weeklies. So I was nice. really confused by your weekly game of the decade nomination. That part of that sentence really tricked me up. Um, I had to read it quietly two times before I could say it out loud. The le- their listing includes The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, Half-Life 2, World of Warcraft, Shadow of the Colossus, Wii Sports, Bioshock, Portal, Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, and Batman Arkham City. So, yeah, okay, so these, is it 10 games for Game of the Decade? I'm assuming they're trying to figure out, like, they, they want people to submit their nomination for what they think is the best game. It's not yeah. like Time Life where they choose the Man of the Year, where sometimes that could yeah. just be the most notorious. Like, I think yeah. Hitler was once Man of the Year. That doesn't mean that they're saying this is the best Man of yeah, the Year who did the coolest notable. stuff. It's just the most notable yeah, person who, who changed the course of history all yeah. the time. What would you choose? What would be your fate? What do you think is the See, game See, that's of the decade? thing. It's like, which is the game you say, which is the game that well, defined like, that decade? Or is it the game well, that there's... was most meaningful for you? Or which game was the most, like, had, had the most impact on the game's industry? You could go from the, you can go from your personal favorite versus what do you think if I was look, the... If I look at this list and I say in terms of impact, it's World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft was the point where games... World of, War... World of Warcraft did not impact console gaming so much, but, well, like, PC it's... gaming. Everyone but I would argue crazy. that that was, the, that was what made PC gaming relevant again, made PC gaming more um, uh, uh, more successful financially, yeah. than, and, and also was the first shift towards social gaming. That's true. I mean, there's a direct line between World of Warcraft and Angry Birds, in a way, you know? Uh, with just console games in mind, I'd be tempted to say Wii Sports. If we're taking this from the time time man of the year aspect, where it's just mm. what game had the most 
impact in the last decade. I would, I would well, say Wii Sports. Well, how do you find impact in that well, most people the, played it, it, it? Most influential and that kind of changed the way people made and bought games afterwards. I'd but say Wii Sports so? just because it started, just because it messed up this whole console cycle. Yes. And uh, started the uh, thrust towards motion gaming. But, for consoles? But that's but just consoles. That's not PCs and stuff. That, that influenced things, but what came after Wii Sports that was like... Well, nothing. It didn't really establish its own genre other than shovelware mini games for the, yeah. the Wii. What's the be- what? What's your personal favorite? What's the best? If I had to pick my best of this list, it's Red Dead Redemption. Alfred, Red Dead Redemption is on there. Really? Because it's I like, like, like Batman that and Arkham City's on this list. Man, wh- like when... Portal, I enjoyed the hell out of. Bioshock was Portal great. Two is a better game than first Shadow Portal, of the Colossus. Though. I enjoyed all these games, but when I games that get got under my skin and just stay with me everywhere I go it's Red Dead Redemption. It's weird that Wind Waker Wind Waker is really popular. For an unpopular Zelda game it's really popular but it's not like it really changed the like I don't know. It all depends on your parameters Mass Effect 2 motherfuckers. <laughs> Mass Effect 2! I love Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 is great. Two. Though you had said that you the, the, the problem with uh, Mass Effect 3 is that it starts with the elimination of all mankind and that's weird that you're then fucking around. Mass Effect 2 human beings are being liquefied like they're disappearing. Small colonies colonies are disappearing. out there. It's like finding out that like Denton, Texas just got liquefied. Which, if you're in Denton, Texas, is that really sucks. fucked up. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying. But if you're in Portland, Oregon, you're like, sucks to be in Denton, Texas. What's on T? Oh man, this Forza Horizon. I haven't, I haven't beat level two yet. The top trading company, card company, announced this week that after 59 years of service, they're removing the Bazooka Joe comics from their bubblegum packaging. Yeah, fuck you, Bazooka Joe, and your fucking eye patch shit. Why does Bazooka Joe have an eye patch? Um, I always wondered that. Tragic bubblegum accident? But yeah, he probably blew on a bubble and the bubble blew out his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind or of maybe grim because it's selling bubblegum. <laughs> well, it's Bazooka Joe. It's Bazooka Bubblegum, which is just like eating rocks. <laughs> and so he probably try to blow a bubble with it. And instead of like, the, you know, because the, 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 the gum is so rigid yeah. and inflexible. Instead yeah. of bursting into a bubble, his eye just blasted out of his face. <laughs> so all that pressure built up in his face for trying to blow that bubble had to go out somewhere. Yeah. It's because he's a Cerberus agent and it's his ocular <laughs> generator. But yeah, so yeah, no more. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a rough couple weeks for uh, like terrible, terrible snack food. <laughs> Bazooka Joe getting retired. Well, it sounds like they're going to replace the well, Bazooka Joe comics. I was with... going to say, no more Bazooka Joe comics. That's different from no more Bazooka Joe. It sounds like, no, they're actually retiring the character. Yeah. And it's just going to be like, here's trivia. Here's... So it's funny. I love that, the fact that Baz- I didn't realize Bazooka gum was even still See, around. See, that's the thing. It's like, the reason why you only know about this because it's ending. And that's the last time you've heard about Bazooka Joe since you were 11 years old. That's why Same Bazooka Joe Twinkies. is going away. Like, everyone's, everyone's so depressed that Twinkies are Dude, going I away. Dude, I have Twinkies. When was the last time you had Twinkies? Like, maybe about two months ago. Yeah. Twinkies, Twinkies man. Twinkies is something like you eat every six months and that's about all you can do. Yeah. Or it'll just, not, like, not, like, less often than KFC, but more often than, like... Oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna come back and talk some Walking Dead spoilers. That was the fastest geek week we, we, we could. I want to be out head. of here in twenty minutes. So okay. We gotta get fucking. In the cavern, in the canyon, excavating for a mine, dwells a miner, forty-niner, and his daughter Clementine. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine, you are lost and gone forever, dreadful sorry Clementine, drove she uh, down. 
Okay, we're back now with our Walking Dead spoiler cast. Now is the part where we hold hands and weep. So what do you think of the Set game overall? Peaks to weep. It was really good. Um, it was um, as an I was a big old adventure gamer fan back in the day. Yeah, as someone yeah. who hosted a fan site of Lucas Arts the oh, Dig. Was, yeah, uh, one of the game designers actually was on this fan site back in the day. Anyway, he uh, which the, the, which guy? Jake Rodkin. Because I'm listen- I just started listening to the Idle Thumbs podcast. Yeah, he's an Idle Thumb Thumber. That's a good little podcast. Mm-hmm. And I li- started listening just because I knew that some of those guys had worked on this game. This is, yeah, I'm officially a fan of his. He's a really good graphic designer. Like he yeah. did the Sam and Max fan site, which was beautiful. It was a gorgeous website. That's one of those. This one of those fan sites where you look at it and you're like, hmm, you can get paid to do this, which is why he started as he was their web guy, I think. So for is a he long time. is he one of the writers? Because I know one of the graphic designers, yeah. uh, Telltale graphic designers, was like creatively like the cre- head creative guy. That's amazing. What's his name? Sean Vanneman. Yeah, no, it was Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin. This yeah, is that's kind what of their, is, yeah. their game. They did a good job. Did a for damn a couple good guys job. who came up through like the art department through like. Like the, well, like, the thing is, is, they're both. I mean, if 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 the other guy's anything like Jake, they're both. They came from adventure games. Yeah. Like all, a lot of Telltale is like adventure game fans. That's why they made them. But um, t- this is was really really interesting because it was really though they were still stuck with the Telltale engine and all those limit not limitations but all those aspects. But it's, of it, it's a limited it engine. Was a, There's only so much you can do storytelling. It was too. really not even about storytelling, just from a gameplay perspective. It was. Well, that's what so, I mean. But mechanically, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. It was very much so a like just boiling down to the important parts of adventure games without any of the crap. Yeah. You know, without having to worry about inventory management and like arbitrary puzzles and stuff. Not and that the yeah. puzzles, any of the puzzles were difficult or taxing, but they shouldn't be because it's really about you're just doing these small problem solvings in an environment that just kind of helps build tension and like build detail to the world. Like in the, it was in a lot of ways the best adventure game ever made, and that shows everything adventure games should. It's be. really more just an interactive story. Yeah, because of the adventure games, like the tropes of like there's no, there's no real puzzles. There's no real yeah, like yeah, it, it strips away all the all the finagling bits and just gets it boils everything down to pure story. Which exactly. Is why and, everyone's and dialogue. Yeah. And but little design decisions like um. Uh, like the time, you, there's a timer on all of your dialogue choices. Like little things like that. They do a really good job yeah. of building tension. Also, one awesome thing they do during all of the games is there are these very set ways that the game works, and then they'll break them just for a dramatic moment. Like they're in, I think it's in episode two. Where you, uh, where you take the fuck those moments because one in episode five, I, I, I think about. But go ahead, yeah. But uh, there, uh, there's a moment in I think it's in episode two where you bring this guy who was wounded out in the woods back to your camp. Is that the guy who gets the bear trap on his ankle? Yeah, yeah. And you, and you, ha- and you're talking to this woman who's who's been taking care of him. And as you're talking, like there's actually there's a dialogue option and there's a timer ticking down for which choice you're gonna make before you can even make a choice. A zombie attacks her. Yeah. And it was a great little thing. Or like, there's a moment where a character dies in my game, and right, like, which maybe, character? Spoilers uh, for The Walking Dead. Carly, like two or three Where's seconds. Carly? Carly is the lady at the beginning of the game that you can choose to either save Carly or Doug. Oh, you you chose Carly. I did. There's a moment. Oh. It's the same moment that Doug dies, presumably, because I think the same thing happens. Oh, but when, right when they before, get shot. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna finish my thought. 
Jesus Christ. So right before they get shot, there you make you can have a dialogue choice. And one of the possible things that can happen is it says, you know, Carly will remember that. But then she gets shot two seconds later. That was such a great fake out. That was like, oh man, Carly will remember that. I wonder how that will affect. And like Kaboom. as soon as I thought, I wonder how that will affect. She gets a hole in her head. There's a part uh, towards the end of episode five when you're walking with Omid and Krista across a wooden bridge. You're walking yeah. across the rooftops. Where yeah. It's kind of like this weird, it, it switches from just like walking to like you have the cursor. And you have mm-hmm. to walk across the bridge. Yeah. You think something's going to happen. It's going to turn yeah. into a QTE. Yeah. And no, you nothing have to happen. Nothing yeah. happens. But it's I kind of dug that, across it, You're like, fuck, what? The- you just See, wait. but it's about that tension. Yeah. It's about the tension of and that they moment. they did that with a stupid speak and spell adventure game. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. Which is great. Because I, what I think, it, it, this is a perfect example of a game where the gameplay was not difficult. It was not a difficult play- game to play. Once you got used to some of the action controls. And right. Stuff, like shooting and stuff. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, it is not like, I should say challenging. Yeah. Those were difficult. Because you can play this game on your iPad, to, yeah. but and you can because it's yeah. out on the iPad. But like the um, it was not like it was not a challenging game. There were some technical difficulties, but not challenging. And all of the tension does not come from difficulty. It comes from genuine narrative tension. Yeah. And uh, I think about there. Are oftentimes I'll be playing a game and I'll just kind of maybe pause and get a drink or something, and I'll come back to a moment, and the moment will be totally broken because whatever tension there was has been. Like, I've had a moment to walk away from it and clear my head. Yeah. And, like, there's a moment in Heavy Rain, one of my favorite moments in Heavy Rain, is where you're you're crawling through this um, this uh, air shaft and there's broken glass in the bottom. It's not hard to navigate. They're, they're assuming that if this moment is crazy intense, only if you're in the moment in the character and you're like, shit, he's crawling through glass! His vision! And, yeah. and Walking Dead does a really good job of a lot of that. And it's a total success. Like, that is a huge success. Because story comes game. first in The Walking Dead. Story comes first, and beyond that, character comes first. Well, that's also, it's, it's so impressive that this game, uh, coming from the art department, largely yeah. the, the, the creative guys in charge of this game coming from the art department, not necessarily the writing or the, like, it's coming from the bottom up yeah. of the staff rather than the top down. And, like, a lot of people pointed out, like, kind of like the one episode that was written by professional screenwriter Gary mm-hmm. Witta, the fourth mm-hmm. episode, not necessarily the best, even though that guy's, like, the Hollywood... I don't know if he's a millionaire or what, but like, don't put your hand over your face. Oh, I'm in between the microphone and your mouth. <laughs> I'm contemplating and rubbing my beard. But yeah, no, the one by Gary Wood was not necessarily the strongest one. Yeah, it was the ones that are by these guys who genuinely just know. These and guys love could have games. written. What's the movie with blind Malcolm X? Oh, spoilers! He's blind. Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Spoilers. Oh yeah, blind. Gary Wood did write that. Gary Wood, I'm pretty sure, is writing the movie based on the Penny Arcade strip. What? What? Do you this remember? Thing? Do you remember when uh, Penny Arcade did the thing and they did Automata? Automata. Oh, did, that thing. And then there was a third one. It was about the little boy in a space station. Yeah. And they never did anything with that because it immediately got optioned as a film. I'm pretty sure Gary Wood is writing the film, the screenplay. Hmm. Do not want. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway. The. Uh, uh, yeah. The, Love to the Penny Arcade guys. But yeah. <laughs> Penny, uh, The Walking Dead. It was like it was just kind of. It was not a perfect game. It was still kind of clunky, but it was like the all the good parts of an adventure game without any of the shitty ones. Yeah. God, they did a great, great, great job. Like a really great job. And those characters were so fully fleshed out. Characters that you hated and or characters that you liked, you got to learn more about them and see more of them and have really meaningful conversations with them. And you're absolutely correct. It was a choice in a game, but most of the choices that you make do not necessarily impact gameplay or even necessarily the story. It impacts your relationship with the character in a meaningful way and what i was really impressed with with uh walking dead in particular was that in most video games that have choice you feel pretty like you'll get to a point and you'll be like man if i had made this choice this would have happened as opposed to what is happening now 
Walking Dead did a great job of kind of removing a lot of the seams. Like, there were some obvious things where it's like, if you saved Carly or Doug. Yeah. Like, you know, like those sorts of moments. But they did a really good job of the whole game, at least the way I made all my choices. It all felt real. Like, that all felt like that was what happened. And I can't imagine any other way. Like, a lot of the people were bitching about the end of Mass Effect 3. Where it's like, oh, well, this would happen. If I had chosen this, then this thing was almost identical to happen. And my first instinct to that criticism was, but that wasn't what happened to me. I My story was this in a very... But Walking Dead did a better job. Yeah. But what I mean was that, like, I at the end of Walking Dead, I didn't feel like, well, had I walked down this corridor, then that would have happened and that. See, like, it's interesting comparing the ending of The Walking Dead to The Walking of Mass Effect 3 where... Mass Effect, well, The Walking Dead has the same ending for everybody. Yeah. In terms of, like, what the result yeah. is. Whereas Mass Effect 3 has a different, like, you can choose different things at the end of mm-hmm. Mass Effect 3, and technically the results of your reaction are completely different. Whereas yeah. in Mass Effect, or was in Walking Dead, it all, no matter what you do, still it boils down to one of two things. Field. My yeah. joke should be uh, in the original Mass Effect version of the ending of The Walking Dead, it's either Clementine is walking through a cornfield or a wheat field. <laughs> Where it's the exact same cinematic, just the field she's walking through is a slightly different or color. Or field. But it's interesting that, like, what Mass... What, what, what The Walking Dead got right was the emotional content. Yeah. It's not, it's not the ending, it's what happens at your... What, what, is your, what is your last couple choices in the game? Yeah. And, like, how do you... Like, talking to Clementine and figuring out whether or not she's going to shoot you in your conversation. You, you, in knowing that it's your last conversation with Clementine, yeah. that is so much more emotionally charged than talking to a holographic yeah. kid on a space station. Yeah. And uh, that's... Yeah, Walking but Dead. But it's like Walking Dead in the end knows that it's about the characters, where yeah. Mass Effect at the very end thinks it's about the story. Yeah, and the story kind of, like... The story has be- always because been Because towards the end, like, you start stop getting emotionally invested in the story because it is more space opera. It's not about small character stuff. Your characters become removed from it. Yeah, because, like, yeah, your characters, like, by the end of the game, like, you've lost contact with all your characters, and it's just, yeah, yeah it is just you and a holographic kid. Yeah. And it's just interesting, like, no one, I have never seen, I've, I'm sure that people are complaining about the Walking Dead ending for one reason or another, but everyone universally at the end of The Walking Dead that I've seen, talked to, and heard of, and seen people talk about online have been, like, hot damn, that was fantastic. Yeah. It was and... a really good time. Yeah, for a game that's much smaller in scope with a much smaller story, they they, they knocked that out of the ballpark where it's like, yeah, Mass Effect 3 kind of like shit its pants. And like even visually, like they figured out a character design and a world design that was really appealing and very honest to the comic. Yeah, you had a whole broad variety of different kinds of characters. You had fat characters, skinny little characters, black characters, white characters. Yeah. And it was nice to, I realized this after I finished both Walking Dead and um, Minerva's Den. And I was thinking back, I was like, well, my favorite games is, you know, like, what games did I play this year that I keep thinking about? Well, I keep thinking about Assassin's Creed 3, you know, it's terrible. And Sleeping Dogs. Those are all games of the non-white protagonist. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of badass that I can even this think about. This is why I still call The Walking Dead the best uh, George Romero movie that George Romero n- movie never made. Uh, aside from the fact that it's probably one of the best zombie stories ever told. Mm-hmm. It's also the main character's a black guy, which is what, that that's the main, like all the uh, main protagonists in George Romero movies are all black guys too. Oh, are they? I don't know if that was a conscious decision by these writers mm-hmm. to make it, you know, make Lee a black guy. But like, I fact, like the fact that it like, uh, it lends it it it, it 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 ties together with that legacy yeah. of awesome zombie stories starring a black guy. It just also happens to be Lee. You know, he's just the latest of, of he's a whole sleep. bunch of bad black, bad uh, badass black protagonists. Yeah. So let's talk hey. about our choices game by game. Episode one, Bill. Who survived the drugstore zombie attack? Carly Doug. or Doug? Doug was so nice. So Although I was still getting used to like the action parts of the game, and I think it was more I just accidentally chose Doug. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, yeah, Doug, you're cool. 
You know first why? Off. You know why I chose Carly? Yeah. One reason because I'm a simple, simple girl. And I looked at Carly and Doug and I was like, which of these two characters can possibly be a love interest? And yeah. I chose the potential love interest. My wife immediately made fun of me. And, and I'll be honest with you. My first thing is like, she's good with a gun. Wasn't Carly the one more... who didn't didn't know how to load batteries? That or... was the thing. She's really good with a gun. Like, she's the sharpshooter of the bunch. And so I was like, well, I need her. B, she can be my love interest. But yeah, Foley immediately went, you just let the tech guy die. And instead showed the lady who's only useless as long as you have, or is only useful as long as you have bullets. And cannot handle any sort of technology. Yeah. Congratulations, you've crippled that, your survival. Not that Doug does anything interesting with his but IT still, tech. Still, it was on, it but... was funny that like I I have never made a decision where my my wife and I could make. What these... was Carly's personality like? Because I only got to know her quick enough just to see her get shot in the face. She was Doug a... was, was super self-effacing, and when he gets killed later on by Lily, accidentally mm-hmm. by the side of the Winnebago, that was oh, more she like dies, what the fuck? He dies accidentally. Yeah. Oh man, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Um, Carly, Carly was kind of great. She was um just kind of kind, compassionate person. Her, and she was interesting because she was a reporter yeah. before all shit went down and she was like man this is the story of but i there's no see way. doug is just like oh my god you killed you i think he says something in one of his dialogue traces is like she was a hot lady you saved me <laughs> he's like extra appreciative he's yeah. like no i should not have survived by that that situation most people would not have chosen me what was interesting i don't know so at the end of every episode they have stats of what you did or did not choose and bill this was is talking the, yeah bill was talking Poor about doug. how Bill was talking about how they desi- the developers designed it so that the decisions were such that there was no clear-cut right answer, so they wanted it to be 50-50. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but every single, uh, as I recall, almost every single thing where it was like, what did you choose, was weighted heavily for, towards women and children first. Mm-hmm. Whenever there was a choice, there was a woman or a child that's involved. That's basic. That that's totally not even skews. social stuff there. That's just basic that was really interesting. Yeah. It's like, poor Doug, you were fucked from the that's start. That's human nature. That's that's almost pure instinct there. Du- what Doug could have done best to help his chances would be to wear a wig. Doug's not gonna not Doug's not gonna help anyone get their dick wet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, no, like that was one of the choices where it was like eighty five percent of the people saved Carly, fifteen percent of they should even the portrait of Doug for that little statue should have yeah. been Yeah, <laughs> just like, been Eeyore. Poor bitch. Okay. Anyway. On the bitten lady who locked herself in the room in the motel, did you shoot her or, and put her out of her misery, or did you refuse her the gun? I shot her. I... Because she's like, I'm bitten, I'm gonna die, I need you to put me out of my misery. I think... I think... I don't remember giving her the gun, but I remember her, she shot herself in the Because I think what happens if you refuse her with the gun, she just steals the gun from you. And yes, that's anyway. what happened with me. Okay, yeah, she so. took the gun, and because I was like... What? I think I shot her. It was early enough that I didn't know what the rule... I mean, I've read all the Walking Yeah, Dead. that's kind of... I was yeah. trying to approach it like... I was I was very much so in Lee's head, and Lee... The way I played Lee was that he really was a good guy, and he was just trying to do right by everybody, yeah. and trying to be a good and honest man, and he just couldn't. But it's weird to see someone saying, yet. shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. Yeah. And she's with an irrational... She's not like a crazy person, mm-hmm. but what do you do? Yeah. Again, yeah. that's not a black and white decision. That's like, yeah. fuck, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, she she took the gun and she shot herself. Uh, episode two, who did you give snacks to? <laughs> just that, I love because they're like, that, that's that, not a yeah. game-breaking thing, but like... No, but it was a great moment. Because you've got like eight characters, but you only you got like four, four pieces snacks. of food. Yeah. So I... I tried to look at... Of course, first I went and gave food to Clementine. Yeah, Clementine's first always thing, like... Yeah, she's riding that snack train. I tried to think oh. of it from a practical perspective. So I was like, well, who are our most important people? Well, Clementine's most important to me. And then I looked at the group. I'm like, who is most important to the group? See, I think I gave a piece to Kenny because I think he was working on the fence well, or you, whatever you, or something. Uh, oh, not Kenny. Mark was working in the That's fence. That's what it Mark was, and yeah. the dad, Larry, yeah. were working in the fence. Fuck I went to. Guy. I looked at the whole group and I'm like, who's the most important? The vet, because she's our medical lady. Yeah. So I tried to go give her candy. She's the one who's actually, food. she's hanging out inside the, 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 the room. 
You go in and you have a talk with That's him. Lily. Okay. You, uh, uh, what was the name? Cat? Um, Catra? Oh, Ka- yeah. Uh, Ka- Kenny's Ka- wife. Yeah. Kenny's yeah. wife, the medic. And I was like, I, she's a vet, granted, but she's the closest thing we have to a doctor. So I'm like, well, she has to be well. So I tried to go give her food and she actually says no, not unless my son is eaten. And yeah, because like Duck technically is duck. the last person we should be giving food to. But exactly. Yeah. So I was like, well, Kenny's pissed at me, so I'm gonna go give Kenny food, and he also refused it because he's like, has Duck eaten? Yeah. And then there, and then it, the conversation stopped. Clearly, if I went and fed Duck, I give. I was like, fuck both of you. I'm not feeding your dumb little shit. <laughs> I went and gave food to uh, Larry. Fuck Duck. Because I was trying to be. I gave food to Larry and Mark. Yeah. And, um, Are you trying to be cool with Lily? Well, I was like, well, I was trying to make a. And it wasn't even that. I was genuinely like, Larry is being a weird aggro guy. He beat the shit out of me. I was trying to extend oh, the olive control. branch. Yeah. So and because uh, I was trying to be a good guy, he was he's still shit. I gave him food anyway. I gave food to him, food to Mark, and then I gave food to Lily. Did you kill Larry in the farm meat locker? No. You let Kenny do it? Yeah. I think I, uh, I did too. I because uh, I was trying. Otherwise, it's the decision. You're trying to figure out whether or not he's he's dying from the heart attack. Yeah, you can you can That's either you're trying your choices. Kenny is like we need to kill him, and or you can say no 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 we have to try and save him. Yeah. When you try to save him, Kenny just kills him anyway. That, that's what happened. To me. That was fucked up, man. That was yeah. legitimately. fucked up. I think that's up. where because I was best bros with Kenny for a long time, or yeah. at least for a while. That was where Kenny and I. I think that's we where because I yeah. Lee like flips out at Kenny, and Kenny's like, "Well, fuck you, man," and things only get worse. Like, well, up to that point when the whenever Lily and Kenny had a pissing match, who did you side with? I always took the middle road. I think I chose the middle road because like throughout the entire game, I tried to be as. Hey guys, I was always the, trying to be a peacemaker. Yeah, meteor. Because yeah. the world is falling apart, and you can't be backbiting. And also, like everyone's arguments for stuff are so again, it's kind of gray versus gray. It's yeah. hard to just choose unless you really like one character more than the other, yeah. just because you like their personality. Yeah. It's hard to be like practically like, oh, this person's obviously right. Fuck you. You're wrong. Yeah. What was nice is that when you so when you when 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 Kenny kills Larry, um, one of the things you pointedly ask him is like, well, what if it's what if it happened to cat or duck? He's like, it'll never fucking happen. Yeah. Which I wish at the end, towards the end of the game, I really just wanted to, what fucking told you? But every time I had a conversation with him, I was like, what are we fucking talking about, Larry? The like the man, the, the legend of Lee and Kenny. Jesus Christ. What or, yeah, fucking, Kenny. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, were you able to keep Clem from eating people meat? Uh, I was not able to keep Clem from putting people meat in her mouth. I made her spit it out. I, I, cut, I got there in time. Yeah. And I prevented her from eating it. You just, what? What did you do? Why did you just run in? What you, you run in and you have to choose to say something immediately, or because she's her, the food is like an inch away from her mouth. Yeah. So you just go stop. And she stops. <laughs> Everyone else is chowed down. But Clem had one of the guys in the player one podcast. He just he suggested what there should be a dialogue option when you run into the room. Stop. We haven't said grace yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which... That was fucked up. That was really fucked up. I well, was... like I said again, it boils down to it's not that you're being people are being fed. People meet. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize what was going on at the farm? Oh, I knew pretty much immediately. I'm like, why won't they let me in the barn? Yeah, because that's always bad. And also people on the farm. It's also with, with with an episode that's all about food. Yeah. And Well, I didn't necessarily figure out they were, can't, they were eating humans. But something but knew, was going on. Yeah. I will. Like, one thing that I kind of regretted about that episode is that um, the character design on one of the two brothers is so overtly, like, 
Um, he looks so like a minion. He looks like, like he, a pervo. He looks like a, if you were to, doing a shitty Frankenstein ripoff, he looks kind Igor. of like what you'd make Igor kind of look Shemmy like. Igor kind yeah, of. and well, they, the other guy looks like Angel from Buffy. Yeah, it was a that was a weird choice. They made him look like such a cartoonishly like evil minion yeah. that I was just waiting for him to. I was Man, like, well, these guys think are you evil. Could eat real people meet in real life if there was zombie apocalypse and you were starving. Would you like? Assuming that the person was I murdered would, for their meat, like I, there's just like there's just an dude, edible what is corpse. The, well, there would be no edible corpses. I mean, it depends on the rules. Someone of the dies and they bash your brain in, really thinking, oh, "Man, I might have to turn this person into bacon." But if you, eventually. as soon as the brain, like it's like, oh man, I don't I know, know, man. Yeah. I, I could not do it. I could yeah. not knowingly do it. However, we, having said that, the whole game we were playing, I think I mentioned this last week. I am a total like, I love everybody. I want everybody to be happy. So I am the last person who should be making any decisions in a post-apocalyptic scenario. Whereas my wife is total survivalist, kind of practical motherfucker. So yeah, I can all during some the, of the game, conversations you guys were well, having. At some point, we I started having an argument in the first episode. I think where Foley is telling me you're being too easy on person, whatever person. She's like, you need to, you know, not bother. Oh, she eventually we we're arguing about Ben. And uh, she's like, "This you are not making safe decisions. You're making decisions from your heart. You're not making safe decisions for survival. At that point, I realized you're absolutely right. And I'm like, Foley, you get to make every hard decision in this game because you will make a decision that means Clementine lives. Um, uh, but I don't know if I could eat people, man. Mm-hmm. I, 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 so I'll say this. I never knowingly eat people, but maybe Foley gives me a sandwich could and I eat, don't know. Could you eat Channing Tatum meat? <laughs> Would that no. be better? He'd be mashed potatoes. He has a fried penis. I do not find Channing Tatum attractive. That's what I'm saying. At all. But he's not ugly. But he could be just long pig. <laughs> uh, did you run one of the Cannibal Brothers through with a pitchfork in front of Clem? So, I did. I did, and that got thrown in front of my face later. Yeah. So, by... did you th- Did you kill the other brother, then? I think I left the other one to this get is... eaten. Yeah, that's what I did, too. Because what happened was... Again, this was fully driving. Because my instinct was to let him live. <laughs> fully was, fucking kill him. Kill him. Yeah. And then Clem sees it. And it's like Clem, like like the upper hand card is like Clem saw you do that, and like fuck. So then when the other brother showed up, I'm like I can't do that again. I cannot. I, I yeah, mine was half. I don't want to kill someone else in front of Clem. Versus yeah, also just fine. Fuck you. This is the fit you. Deserve. I genuinely couldn't couldn't do it in front of Clem. Uh, last question for episode two. Did you help steal uh, help the group steal supplies from the seemingly abandoned station wagon? My instinct was no. My holy said yes. We said so I. Did. I I, I did it. I could face the Clem's captor at the end with, I can honestly say, we did not touch that bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. I felt really vindicated at the end. Because yeah. I thought, like, like that early in the game, I wasn't quite sure if either of us were going to survive. Yeah. Because, like, like the, the episode two was fucked up enough. I could kind of almost see the game getting, like, killing Clem somehow by the end of the game. Yeah. It was more of a quality of life thing where uh, she reacted so poorly to seeing you uh, run that dude through with a pitchfork. I was yeah. like... I would rather have her die, have us both die and her respect me than her just, like, live an extra couple days because we stole some snack foods and her feel bad about not only me but herself. Yeah. Because it's it's, it's insinuated that if, like, if you, if Lee steals stuff from the truck, like, Clem's also going to help, but she doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, what do you... She's, like, she's protesting the whole time. It's one thing to make decisions to live, but at what costs are you... You, like the, the, the like these decisions that take away the self dignity of this little girl at the yeah. same time like yeah again impact. it's about the loss of innocence yeah exactly yeah. so I was like you know yeah so and I figured like a couple of Ritz crackers out of the back of the station wagon isn't gonna save either of us either way so. it was like five 
five boxes full well, I know, of but that, food. that was my right re- re- in reason. Like, I you know what? You. Spoilers. I know there's still three more episodes, so well, we're not going to die of this You decision. didn't have to worry about Clementine because she had a nice mouth of Mark, so she was fine. She was set she for a couple of days. She got yeah. Oh, she got some man so while we're talking about the farm episode that the the lady the save lot lady that was fucked up mm-hmm. that was super fucked up she cray cray. i like that they dealt with a woman um trapped alone with a bunch of men gets raped mm-hmm. gets raped gets raped. crazy yeah she gets raped she goes crazy that was kind of they handled that's, it I well it's the first time i've ever seen anything about rape in a zombie it's like granted i've never read the uh, walking dead comics i don't read that and just that much in the way of like other zombie movies and stuff like that but it like was, they handled it in a way that was not exploitational either yeah. it was but it, it was like just a shitty creepy part of that world and that was i and i think that's the best way they could have introduced a woman that. in a zombie apocalypse if you were to face it realistically jesus christ well that's why dylan hilarious dylan always was she's like i'd be a prostitute be the only way I'd survive. Have you ever talked about this? Has she talked about this? Yeah, she's like, well, I'd have to, I'd have to resort to prostitution in a post-apocalyptic scenario. That's the, the, I swear to God. As if, as if guys are gonna form up a, like an orderly queue to give her money, like. <laughs> well, I think the implication was you find a stronger person and you, you pour to. yourself out to them, and that's the only so way she needs to find a pimp and then have sex for like rich crackers. Well, Bill, in a post-apocalyptic situation, what asset do you bring to a group? Uh, falling on people. I feel very gratified <laughs> because I have been told now by two friends who think way too seriously about this sort of scenario that in a post-apocalyptic situation they would keep me because I would be a morale boost because I would be a group mother. Yeah. In a post-apocalyptic scenario, and that's kind of like okay i'm glad to know that two people when shit goes down two people will seek me out because you my wife be- is a survivalist asset and i would make everybody cookies you would be a hug machine that people put ritz crackers into like a vending machine yeah <laughs> i would whore out feelings that would be my prostitution if I was oh, God. but it's very gratifying two times i've been told that i'd be a dead mother that's nice see i have nothing what am i gonna do i can draw you a zelda map after post-apocalyptic <laughs> you'd be a post-apocalyptic cartographer bill that's I have important to be. jesus christ episode three uh the girls attacked by walkers while you and kenny are scavenging the drugstore for good did you shoot her with a rifle and put uh, her drug store for goods i'm sorry oh yeah that's also the last time you go to that drugstore finally yeah. so uh do you sh- did you shoot her and put her out of misery thus announcing your presence to the zombies or did you sneak away without helping her and therefore went unnoticed i shot her just assuming that again that like at least things had started falling apart with kenny whereas like i know they're not going to kill off lee because he's the main character kenny i was like kenny you've been big and dick enough and for some reason we lose you because of the decision i'll i'll take that risk so i shot her of course, Kenny does flip out, but you did both make it out okay. Yeah. What you? What happened? I did you? not. Yeah. You just let her fully die. Drove again. Fully yeah. like, why? Would, to be fair, no. She was. She was well, gone. Basic. I mean, she was gonna die anyway. Again, yeah. it's the quality of life of like. Were Clementine what there? Humanity? Were Clementine there? Probably would have shot her. Clementine wasn't. Yeah. Didn't do it. Yeah. Lily shoots Carly or Doug. Did you talk with her? Did you take her with you, or did you leave her by the side of the road? Uh, I left her ass by the side of the road. I dumped her. Again, my wife drove. So you said that, um, Oh, no, Doug... you know what? I can't remember, because I know she ends up stealing the Winnebago no matter what. Oh, yeah? You know what? I think I took her with us, because I, I think it was one of those things, where, because Clem was there, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, I, I wanted to show her, like, compassion, like, we still had to hang together. There still had to be, you can't just be, like, just kicking people out of the group randomly. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was also <laughs> part they of my, murder each other. That was also part of my own Star Trek morality. It wasn't sure. just because I was worried, like, oh, Clementine might see this. But I think yeah. it was, like, yeah, like, 
you gotta keep some of your humanity. It, what what's all this worth fighting for if you're just gonna be booting people out of? Because like in my game, I like when Lily shoots Carly slash Doug. She shot Doug because like I said, Doug was my guy. Mm. Even though I was horrified because Doug was super awesome. It was like it almost seemed like kind of like half accident because she was yelling at Doug at the same time she kind of fires the so gun. So you thought it was accidental. It seemed like kind of like. So what was the context of you, that argument for you? I can't remember. Because in my game, it was there. We had been talking about um, who left the drugs out for the um, the bandits. Yeah, and I think Doug just stepped in just to kind of like mediate. And then Lily gets gets upset, and I think it seemed more like like the gun actually goes goes off, and she just shoots Doug in the face. But it's not like she's a hey motherfucker bang. See, in my in my game, Lily is like one of us left the medicine out. We're gonna find out right now. Yeah, that's and um she's looking at Ben or Lily, and Lily is def- Ben. She's like looking at Ben, like did you fucking do it? He's freaking out, and Lily is like she he didn't do it. He's just a kid. He's not gonna do that. Sort uh, is of this shit. Carly who does it? Oh yeah, Carly. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lily's the one. Carly, who Carly is the other one. It's it's the disposable Carly character. Is whoever de- is yeah. defending Ben, and then Lily's like, "So it was fucking you. It was you who did it." And you're in the middle of saying, you know, like, and 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 Lily's like, "Of course I didn't do it. What is wrong with you? You're paranoid. You're crazy." And Lily's like, "You fucking did it. You fucking left the medicine out." And you're in the middle of saying, "We need to calm down." See, when mine, she shoots, she it, shoots Carly. I don't think like. Uh, <coughs> My re- no my recollection wasn't she was like it's not like she was in the middle of saying stuff but it wasn't like you did it bang it was more like well how do I know it wasn't you like like more like she just actually squeezed the trigger and yeah. like maybe it's different it was Doug she sh- but then again Carly. it was so abruptly I think it's hard to remember if you're not paying attention correctly like, yeah. because it is it so was like intense... out of the blue because you're not expecting it that escalates to happen. very quickly yeah <laughs> and but yeah no it was it was I I in retrospect I think I did bring her with us but then yeah, yeah got bit in the ass when she steals the Winnebago so she stole the Winnebago yeah what happened well, how did you end up losing the Winnebago in your thing. Does it just break I down? I have the Winnebago. Because there's a reason why you need to get... Oh, you know, she, she makes off the Winnebago. That's why you she have to get She steals your Winnebago? Yeah, because, like, you have her tied up and uh, in the back of the Winnebago when you guys happen across the train and all that stuff starts to happen. Uh-huh. And somehow she ends up uh, slipping out of... Is she handcuffed or her hands are just tied? Yeah, you're kind of sitting there talking with Kenny and suddenly uh, the, 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 the Winnebago fires up, does a U-turn, hauls off in the distance. Huh. Kenny's like, motherfucker. It's like, you know what? Uh, the thing's got a busted radiator anyway. She's not going to get more than more than uh, like two or three miles. Huh. So fuck her. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. In my, you get you have the RV all the way to the end, then you just switch to the train. Oh really? That's yeah. All yeah. yeah. Fine. No. Well, it has to happen because Lily's in the Walking Dead comics. Yeah. She was going to have to she leave. She and anyway. Glenn are both two characters. Oh, I guess her at the farm. Yeah, the farmers. Yeah. The farmers are fucked up. I can remember very little of Walking Dead. But the I remember good the farm, not yeah, the, the bad good farm. Yeah. Well, in the end, in the book, in the comic, um, he, he keeps all his family, even when they're zombies, out in the barn. He's And he thinks he can cure zombies, or that, that there's going to be a cure, so he can't let people... It's fucked up. I don't know if you got turned into a zombie, if people would still keep you around for, like, zombie hugs. Like, as long as they took your teeth out or something, like, they filled your mouth I with I think cotton. that does happen in one of the mass, in one of the Walking Dead Hugs. comics. Yeah. There's, like, a denuded, like, fucking, yeah. fucking Walking Dead. Any um, zombie hugs. Jesus Christ. Kill Kenny Sunduck or let Kenny do it himself? Uh, I made fun of Duck. Until he just died of a broken you heart. You didn't ask. You didn't put the most important thing from I think episode two on this, which is: Did you let Duck help you solve the mystery? 
Yeah. Which is great. I loved, be- what I loved about I that. I forgot about that. What I loved about that was just in the upper left-hand corner, the little thing that comes up that says, you have made an impact on this story. It just said something like, he thinks you're really cool. <laughs> and like, when you get, when you've solved the mystery and you're at the end of it, like there's an option. He's standing by the gate and he's just standing there with his hand up and you have the option to high five him or not. Yeah. That was a great little moment. Yeah. That took me from I forgot about giving that. two shits about Duck to that's, being like, oh, that's Duck. That's how you know Duck's going to be dead soon. Yeah. Because like, they make you give a Pretty shit much. about Duck briefly. Pretty much. Um, I actually did option C where I let Katya, or whatever name, Kat- Katya. Doesn't she kill Katya. herself? Did she kill, yeah. kill herself afterwards? It's fucked up. Because what happened, oh no, it's fucked up. So you're having this hot conversation. So like I said, in The Walking Dead, there's a timer for all the conversations. And usually in most conversations, as soon as my options came up, I'd make a choice. Yeah. And I'd cut off the whole conversation. But in that argument between Kenny and his wife, if you let them keep talking... It's it the board that what it boils down to is like she basically says you can't handle this and I can't. Oh, that's right. I forgot she kind of keeps on hammering Kenny about that. Yeah. yeah. So I I kind of I chose at the last minute. It was like it has to be her. Yeah. She has to do it because she can actually handle it. And um, See, which is I, weird because then it's weird then that she walks off in the woods and she shoots herself. I could have sworn it was just me and Kenny because I thought she had killed herself because it I the way I remember it was just me. It was a decision either between me or Kenny. I wonder if something duck. happened to her before that. Yeah, because she still shoots herself, but I thought she had shot herself before, and we pick up that gun, and then we see, then we find Duck. That's how I remember it. See what and happened? And then it's a big conversation with me and Kenny where it's well, like, there is a second conversation. You have the con- yeah. you have the conversation twice. But it sounds like it may have gone differently. For Wait, us. so you you mean? Because I didn't know, did you choose before to let Katja do it, or did you or Kenny choose? I, can't, I don't remember there being a conversation where was having Katja do it was even an option. There may have yeah. been, but I don't remember. But that, that, like I said, this basically, was months you make ago. this decision twice. Yeah. You have the, you have the first conversation the first with the time. three of them, and then if you give her the gun, like I did, she shoots herself yeah, I just and remember... leaves the kid still zombied. Yeah. Like, she in the end can't do I it. I just remember just somehow herself. Katja got her hand on the gun regardless of it. Like, I don't remember there being a conversation where I had a choice where she's... Like, I just remember she gets her hand on the gun and then kills herself. That just leaves zombie duck and and yeah. Kenny, and then I have to I, make that I, I shot him. I, I couldn't shot him make too. I couldn't make him do it. Yeah. I tried not to giggle while doing it because I won't forget Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was damn, that was fucking rough. Because Kenny, Kenny gets I mean, you know, I'm surprised Kenny didn't commit suicide. Because yeah. I was expecting Well, I like he has his episode. whole he has his his whole thing where he talked about why he keeps going. That yeah. was a really great moment. Where he's like, he's like, they're always, because basically he says, I can't be like cat. I can't give up. Yeah, no, you know? I like, I like, I like he doesn't, like, nice. I like he doesn't like romance, well, not romanticize, but like, he doesn't automatically make the death of his wife like this big, like, I gotta go, I gotta make it for Katja. Yeah. You know, like, he actually puts it's for himself. Perspective. Like, yeah, he's like, like, I can't be she selfish made a mistake. like she was. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that that's that's actually kind of grown up writing right there where like yeah. instead of being like oh I'm gonna do it for her she couldn't make it so I'm gonna make it it's more like you're angry at the person because they committed suicide you're still yeah. sad party's fucking angry which is how it is yeah. and that's um, episode four zombie kid in the attic footlocker kill him yourself or let Kenny shoot it what uh, did you do I broke its neck with my foot I killed it myself because I just could Kenny could not that he was, was already on the edge enough that was the most fucked up zombie it, of of any thing I've ever seen with zombies in it that was the one thing I've ever seen where there actually I felt like there was an emotional payoff for zombies that there was like it wasn't just like oh zombies that's fucked up that it was a little boy well, it's, his it's parents left him starved to death yeah and it's like this emaciated corpse we'll see how it's introduced to because you go upstairs and Kenny's just like looking at this thing you don't know what yeah. the hell's going on and like you get this weird shot of kind of like it's almost like an altar where it's like yeah. glowing, wind, glowing oh, yellow totally. sunlight of the yeah. window and then the zombie rises in front of it and mo- yeah. from, at the 
your first instance it goes like, oh shit, it's a zombie. Then you realize, oh shit, it's a little kid zombie. Oh shit, it's a little, it's the kid, little kid who was here. It's yeah. the zombie. You like, it takes you a moment to kind of piece everything together, but like, oh yeah. fuck. And then you, then again, it's the fourth whammy of realizing, oh god, it's another zombie kid. It's Kenny. Yeah. This is another. This is dredging up duck stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, so yeah, I, I chose to break his, his neck. Dog. Yeah, I I had I still had uh, one of the um, tools from the train. Yeah, so I just beamed it. Um. It, oh, the kid! I thought you were talking about the dog. No, but I said you you bury it with the dog. That's, I thought that was a really nice. Yeah, thing. and that Clementine draws a picture of you. Yeah. Damn it. Fucked up. When Ben again, you know something bad's gonna happen to Clementine when she's drawing <laughs> cute pictures of you. That never goes sad, well in a video game. Sad, cute pictures. Yeah. Um, ben in the clock tower. Did you let him die? Well, we talked about this because you actually convinced me not to do it. Oh really? My wife's policy was fuck him, fuck him, and I my 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 feeling was third strikes the charm. Like that's it, motherfucker. You're out. Again, this is the thing but where you, I knew like. Uh, like Ben wanted to die so much, it was justification for me to want to save him because I'm like, yeah. it just seems like it's sad and pathetic if like to give him what he wants because like there's got to be something like he's got to be able to contribute something to the story other than just. I like, did feel like that was one uh, of the few choices in the game that I thought actually was handled kind of poorly. Yeah, how so? Just because it was like it's just a matter of there's no time to pull him up when like there's like a, they're like like half it like they're way way off. It's like where the argument was there's no time to save me. And when it was just the simple, but I love the option that at least they do because Ben has quite a bit to contribute in the next episode he does. too. So it's that's that's I one. I really of wonder what where... happens if you don't have him. Like how I, does that whole yeah. thing play out? Because like he, he, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I think I did read why. We'll we'll get well what happens. We'll get to that when the other point. Yeah, but I kept. Um, so yeah, we both kept him then. Did yeah. you um, reveal to the group that you've been bitten, or did you wait until Clem? I revealed. Yeah. I figured what the hell. What that's it's it's every like only bad things are gonna happen by keeping a secret. Exactly. Right My policy the whole game was to be honest with everyone yeah. to a fault. Like I was like, I'm not fucking obviously you have to narrative for the narrative you have to hide what your past is, but in every other way, totally honest with everyone about everything. Because it's it, you can't risk lies. You can't risk subterfuge in this mm-hmm. sort of scenario with people and you're relying on. Who did you take with you to go find Clem? Um, everybody. Yeah, it took everybody, too. The whole team. I saw a lot of people who decided to go off by themselves because they didn't want to get anyone else in danger, but I figured hmm. be, you're going to have more chance getting to Clem if you have a whole bunch of people that exactly. bad guys have to carve their way to get, uh, through to get to you. Yeah. So, yeah, just based on sheer survival tactics, yeah. it makes sense to go out with a big gang. What were your last words to Mystery Guy on the radio? Uh, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. I think I said, what do you want? I thought, what the fuck? Like, what I really loved about that was that it's your last choice in the game. You don't hear him say it until the next episode. I know. That was really it was awesome. Straight to black and I was like, that was fantastic. Well, when it starts up the next episode, I'm like, did it save after? Like, I was waiting to see, like, uh, they, do you have to play that little bit over again? Yeah. Because it saves right before that, too. And I thought yeah. maybe they'll give you a chance to, like, reconsider your, your decision. But yeah, That was that awesome. Was, and again, that was like that totally built on in a small way that built on the fact that your choices matter from game to game. That was yeah. like a really it was just from a gameplay design perspective. It was really satisfying. Well, you really also felt like you had agency. The moment that uh, uh, Lee is bit, you already kind of know how the episode next oh, yeah. episode is going to end. It's, so I figured yeah. Clem, that dude is not going to kill Clem. At the most, he might maim her or something like that. So I figured like this guy has been fucking with us enough. Fuck it, I'm going to tell this guy I'm going to fucking kill him because yeah. I am going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, episode five, did you cut your arm off? Yes. I also did. Did you do it yourself? Or uh, did well, you I had my whole. I had oh, my that's whole, right, yeah. Uh, all my dudes, all my bros with me. Because when you wake up, they're about to do it anyway. Kenny was about to do it. Yeah, yeah. but then Krista has to do it because no one else has the balls to. I love yeah. Krista. Krista's great. That's why I love the idea that she could become a. Uh, 
Clementine's surrogate mom after yeah. all this is over. That's why I hope it's her and Omid yeah. in the distant horizon at the end of the game. Yeah, because it is two people at the end it's of the game. two people, and they're walking. They're not, like, shuffling like zombies. Put your little paw down. <laughs> why do I sound so quiet why and distant? So is it because I'm ba- even now backing two and a half feet away from the God microphone with my hand in front of uh, it is. I didn't consider this. It's a fucked up decision if you're by yourself. I hadn't considered that. I man. hadn't thought. Yeah, again on the Player One podcast, they were talking Nasty. about that, and I was like, "Fuck, man, that's amazing." When Kenny freaked out in the mansion attack and everyone is trapped, did you fight him or keep your cool? I kept my cool just because, like, I, this being the last episode, I knew like this. If they're gonna start killing everyone off, this is gonna be yeah. an episode, and I didn't like. I figured if we got no fist fight, something might happen where I might end up killing Kenny. Yeah. And so I just I just hands off the controller. There's a part yeah. where he ends up picking up like a giant marble bust. Yeah, and I thought he was gonna brain Lee's head in, but he just yeah. gets, gets upset, and throws it across the room. It goes through the wall, and that's how my group found out that the, yeah. like the mansion was flush up against another building that they could just run up into. Yeah, yeah. which is great because then you have this long conversation with Kristen and Omid. Yeah, while Kenny's like bashing away at the wall with the with with, with uh with a coat rack with a coat rack. And, and, like, that's, again, that's just, like, conversation stuff. It, nothing yeah. really impact the game. But that's, I think that's a scene where Lee kind of, like, first gets the idea that maybe these guys would be good surrogate parents for yeah. Clementine. Like, it's kind of, like, laying well, down track where you get that. To, I think that's where you get to ask them, isn't it? Or that later in the game. Or something like that. But, like, it's great. Again, it's, an, an, like, that's also a scene where kind of brings up Krista's Omid, uh, Krista's pregnancy a little bit. Yeah. Where... Well, okay, there was a weird bug in my game. Where she at no point, like, it's, I figured she's pregnant because I talked about her vomiting. It's not a bug. She never says she's pregnant. It's not a bug. That's the same thing for my game. The closest she gets to Clementine, is... uh, Lee says you're drinking for two. Yeah. Or, like, later says you're It's because Lee's smart. He doesn't have to, like, that's what I like about the game. They don't have to yeah. sell it. Because later on, because you say, like, when you tell, t- when you say you're, you're, you're eating it for two or drinking for two, yeah. she doesn't. You know, everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. I love the fact yeah. that the game never actually had to come on and say, Chris Okay, that's a good point. And so when Omid hands her the, the whiskey, or the, the whatever the hell they're drinking, the booze that they're drinking, and she takes a swig, and both Omid and Lee are like... Well, you can Because re- they know yeah. what's up, but like, it's just... Yeah. It's not even subtext. It's just an unspoken truth. Everyone knows what's going on, but yeah. the game respects you enough not to have to be like... P.S. Me make baby in me. And at the same time, if you're not smart enough to know that well, she's fuck pregnant, those people play fucking Call of Duty. It's because you could see it as she doesn't take a swig. She's like fucking. She she's takes got, eight or nine gulps. Man. She's got gas. Oh, I wanted to tell, take a t- step back to episode four. Um, did you take when you go on the assault to um what's its butt the the bunker uh, in the college? Did you take Clementine with you or did you leave her behind with Omid? I think I took her with me. I did too. No one did that. It was a no. really small percentage of people. All I could think of was, am I going to leave her in a mansion with a dude oh, who's right. broken? That's that's when later on you end up, uh, uh, that's how you meet Molly, right? Yeah. When you're on your excursion away from the mansion. Yeah, yeah fucking Which is Molly. Can you imagine? Molly was great. Yeah. Did you see the fan art that was a, like a mock-up for, for Series 2 where it's Clementine just Molly and Clementine? Molly? Yeah. I would buy that so hard. Do you want there to be, they already announced there to be a second season. Would you want Clementine to show up in the next season? Well, it's interesting because Clementine is the narrative drive of that whole... She's the iconic character from this Well, thing. even that, if you didn't have Clementine, that whole... It would not be as effective. Yeah. But is it is it like... Is that, too, is that like your one-trick pony? I can't imagine... I can't imagine a game about Clementine that doesn't feature Lee in some way. Yeah. I, that's kind of stupid and childish. Well, no, it is way, about the like, relationship between Lee and Clementine. I wouldn't... I'd almost rather like a second season just start her from scratch and just be it's about It's not going crew. to. The way that ended, there's no way it's not going to be about I mean, I, I don't mind seeing what happens to Clementine eventually, but 
I, like, I would almost rather see, like, them start off with almost kind of like the Lost thing where you have this one, first season is about one group of people, second season could be about a second group of people. And how they come together. And maybe, like, the remnants of the second season, a uh, bunch of people end up, like, running across Clementine and maybe she's already hooked. Maybe it turns out it was Omid and Krista. And, like, she could be a little bit older. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. It would be nice to see them try to start over some, from scratch. And I don't know if it's going to be as well received as the first season, but... I I, I'm, I'm, There's no reason not to experiment, though. I mean, it's it told that game. Nothing can take away the power of that yeah. that first season. Well, also the other thing too, as much as I love The Walking Dead, I don't want every goddamn season turned into a Clem babysitting simulator. Yeah, because like see, they did the that thing. for one season. That's good, but I don't want like that. They they I don't want to see them use that as a crutch for right because they exactly. want so like much emotional content pony. from that. Yeah. yeah. So I want to see them try to do something new. But then it's like the only, like the reason why that game was so powerful was because you had, even though your choices were gray, you still had this, this, this thing to motivate you to make a moral decision, to try and maintain this moral, like this is your moral compass. And so like, how do you, like, that was what, how this season worked. So it's kind of, it'd be a real challenge to see how they could do a second one. Um, When you had, when you meet the stranger. Did you lay? Give, did you tell the truth and lay out all your weapons? I lied. I it didn't lied. matter anyway because Clem took him out with a with a with a, with a table lamp. Well, I wonder. Well, in mine, she grabbed a bottle. But I wonder if you had the cleaver on there, would she have grabbed? Could you have told her to grab question. the? Cle- would she just the, the cleaver on the back of his head? Oh, which would have been fucked up. To have her kill somebody, even her I own think, captor. I think Foley. So I should take a minute here. I couldn't tell if Foley was enjoying these or not, or if she's just kind of like letting me play or whatever, because she wasn't really indicating whether she was really enjoying it or not. Until um, I think last week's episode, she was homesick, and I stopped playing to come and do the podcast. And uh, she was like, okay, whatever. And when I came back, she had this kind of sheepish look on her face. She had looked up on YouTube people playing the rest of the game just so she could see what happened. Aww, she was hilarious. so excited. Into but she told me she got to see the rest of the game. I think she didn't see the last scene, but she see, saw the thing with the stranger. Oh, the credits and, and I think everything. in their playthrough, they had they told her to use the cleaver, and he just she just sunk it in his shoulder or something. Okay, and he, yeah. You still have the whole fight and everything like that. Yeah, I wound up choking him out. I didn't kill him, actually. No. I got him oh, I killed that out. motherfucker. And well, was, there's the moment where if you choke him out, I shot him in the Clem head. Clem says something. Yeah, I see. Like, uh, I I gave up my gun, but I think I still had something else on my body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, like Clem comes out. I gave her the signal. I think she yeah she she grabbed like a lamp and bashed him over the head with it. Mm-hmm. And we had a big ch- like it was just a choking fight. I didn't have access yeah. to a gun or anything like yeah. that. And I just choked him out. And Clementine says something about like, well, can he get get up and come after us again? And I think I had the dialogue choice of, like, if he does, I'll kill him then. Yeah. But he's not worth it I now. think there's a gun in the room. Which kind of ties into, like, if he already, like, he had already thrown the fact that I'd already killed a person uh, in front of Clem with a pitchfork earlier. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, I didn't want to, I'd already vowed not to do, kill someone again in front of Clementine if I could help it. Mm-hmm. And this guy's obviously so fucking batshit crazy that, like, I'm also Lee's going to be dead soon anyway. As long as you can make sure that, like, Clementine's off with Omid and, and Krista. But you can't guarantee that. I, know, I can't thing. guarantee that. So I was like, yeah. I was like, fuck this guy. He is dead and gone. Like, he was, a, I, that character was, I like, that character was interesting. It was very well handled for what is essentially a villain who has to lay out all his exposition of his motivation all in one scene. They handled it really, really well. And then the reveal of the bowling bag was yeah. a really nice. 
nice touch. Yeah, because you know it's got to be something fucked up in that bowling bag. Yeah. Well, that was fucking, I was curious to see who this guy was going to be because yeah. the big reveal, you don't know anything really about Lee's past. Yeah. So it's, it can't that really was be, my thing. I was like, it is it really... someone related to the senator? But that doesn't make any sense in terms of the story of the yeah, game. Yeah, because you're not going to be emotionally invested in that. And the fact yeah. that for him to be someone who got kicked in the nuts by a random decision that you made earlier yeah. in the game, yeah. it's a little arbitrary. Like, how did he track everyone? Like, well, when they were on the train. But it, still, how does he... I mean, you're not... Like, they travel... Like, in the, the third episode, they travel, like, like 100 miles uh, via train. Yeah. Like, how does he stay in walkie-talkie distance long enough to be able to track where... You know, it's a, it's a little... Well, he knows where they're going. The logistical stuff doesn't quite match up totally, like, airtight, but... Yeah. It, that's not the point, though. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's... Yeah. And it's like, who knows what the fuck journey he Yeah, you on. have to get out of here in a couple minutes. So we'll that was that was really quick. nice. Um, So in the end, did you did you ask Clementine to shoot you, or did you let her walk away? Uh, That's not the important question. What did you, did you tell her to keep her hair short? <laughs> of course I did. Yeah! What what did you choose for the whole, her last action? Did not. Did really? Not get her to shoot me. Mm-mm. Yeah, really? I didn't want her to that to be her last memory of me. I wasn't going to cause her any harm. I was chained to the radiator. See, I figured she had just seen her parents as, as walkers, and she was obviously traumatized enough by that. I was like, you know what? I, if I'm going to be her last surrogate parent, I'm going to make sure she knows at least I'm not walking around like that. No. And, like, I know she's going to end up having to kill somebody anyway. Like, yeah. you're not going to survive in the zombie apocalypse without putting a bullet in someone. Yeah. Might as well be me. Well, she already has. She kills um, a zombie... In the, well, zombie, uh, but you know what I mean. But like some, you know, sacrificing someone you love is probably not. This is not, not going to be the first. This will be the first time, but it's not going to be the last time. So yeah. I forget. You know, she's got to grow up sometime. And if there's going to be a moment she grows up and it's killing Lee, so be it. That's what it takes. Just could not so she do knows it to that, that girl. I don't. I don't think she could deal with knowing that zombie Lee and her parents are walking around the same neighborhood for the rest of eternity. I could not have her last. Last thing she sees me as a whole like the inside of my brains could not do that see that is a lot more interesting than do you choose the red light <laughs> the blue light or the green light see i would say do you choose to destroy Edie? do you choose to <laughs> yeah no like, that's, well yeah that's depending on again it's all it. it's about your about your perspective on characters so yeah but do you the, think yeah. the two folks on the horizon at the end are uh omid and krista man i don't Come fucking on. know man because her reaction is kind of well not, she's kind of just like it's not it's not a hey oh so when when you tell them where to go i thought it was kind of interesting you could tell them where to be to meet up with them you know that'd be funny if like like a decision you make in this game if you load it up into the second season or a third season or whatever if it kind of linked up somehow did you tell them to go find a boat or did you tell them to go for the train who in their right mind because we all saw how well the boat plan worked see that was my I love our, like one of the options is actually go find a boat aside, even though no boats are aside available. Aside the fact that the boat plan never made sense, I love it. Kenny. Never did. <laughs> well, it was a plan. That's really all. But it I was. love like he gets so fixated. We have like a four-person boat and one tank of gasoline. <laughs> Where are well, you they were, go there's with no this? food and it had no cover. They would have to come in. I for... told her to get out to the country. Yeah. Which actually, at the end, when I saw she actually is out in the country, I was well, like, oh, see, she yeah. actually, yeah. See, in my thing, I told them to go find the train because I figured well, I that's so, a defensible well, I position. Told, I thought I could have swore that part of the things. When you say go meet Omid and Krista, that she he mentions that they're they're gonna meet her by the train, which but, is weird. Can you give her wrong directions at the end? <laughs> they're by a boat. I mean the train. We're going the train. Oh shit. Oh honey, I'm I'm not feeling that well. I'm sorry, so great, baby. Oh baby. Oh man, fuck that game. That, that song. Dead. That song, man. 
That song. God damn, that was a good goddamn game. I don't know if that's your best game of the year, but I think it's at least a contender for me. It's it's either that or Journey for me. When you when you approach the game like from a just like in terms of character and story, it's yeah. the best game of the year. The gameplay is really like I said. The I think the the dialogue and stuff is perfect. It really is. Um, simple enough, and the timer is a small thing, but it's a world of difference. Because yeah. it's funny to now go back and play Mass Effect and have people ask me this important questions, and me just standing there blankly, and them just staring. I'm gonna get blankly. a sandwich, take a shit, <laughs> exactly. Feed the cats. Waiting for me to answer. It's yeah. a small thing, but it's a great thing to add tension and and give you force you into making decisions quickly. I would love to see like the guys making new Mass Effect games if they took some cues from Walking Dead in that terms of like brilliant. keeping the pace moving and like character involvement. It's funny to think that just in goddamn dialogue. Tree- not dialogue branches. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's funny to think that in a year where the last Mass Effect game came out against this stupid little indie game. Yeah. Like, if you had told out... me two years ago that Telltale was going to come out with a game that affected me more deeply than the last Mass Effect game, I would have laughed in your face. Yeah, they did it. Congrats to those guys. So the ending song I thought was awesome. I doubt the whole album is great by this lady. Her name is Alila Gray. I will put it up on my iPad and find out. Um... It was a great song. What was neat was that it's a licensed song. Did you notice that? Well, I know it wasn't written for the It came out in 2008, which made me think about um, licensed songs and games. Obviously, like, things like Grand Theft Auto and shit where you have, like, radios. They have lots of licensed games. Alila Diane. That's her name. Um... It was made me think about games that are licensed or music that is licensed explicitly for games, usually in the context of an ending song. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about that, and there are like some really good ones. I was trying. To, I wanted to actually ask Twitter. I'll ask you, the Boy Hottie Nation. Um, uh, good licensed music and games used to great effect, and I do not mean I'm the hereby ruling out Grant your Grand Theft Autos or even something like um, obviously like music games, but even like um, what's it, uh, Brutal Legend, because yeah. music is a huge part of that. But uh, something but like in like this. flavor music. Because I was thinking about flavor it. Flavor music, yeah. Um, uh, f- uh, Full Throttle extensively uses music by an actual, like, biker band called the Gone Jackals. Like, it's the opening song, and they use uh, other songs throughout the game to add flavor. And it's to- that's brilliant. Um, obviously, Fallout. It, I would argue Fallout, they have a radio, but the opening songs in the Fallout games very much so form the game, and those are all licensed. Um, I was thinking, like, um, Mass Effect 1 ends with this dumb song that the first time I listened to it, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was so ridiculous. But the more I listened to it, I'm like, no, this is perfect because this is music that plays with the credits in an 80s, like a 70s, 80s sci-fi movie. Yeah. And it totally added to it. And also the, the instrumentation in it is very similar to the orchestration of the game. Uh, that was not, and I was trying to think of like bad examples. Jonathan like, Colton doesn't matter because he like doesn't count because he wrote well, that, that song Well, that was made for... for the games. Uh, Exile Vilify was that a song that they was wrote made for, for the game? Too? Yeah. Like even was like there a Red song Dead. At the end of Red Dead. It's uh, made for the game. All the soft music in Red Dead is for the games. Yeah. It was just kind of interesting because you get that a lot in movies where it's like oh, there's music. a bazillion examples of yeah. fantastic like needle drops. But it's, it's in, in they, movies, you don't get but... it in games very often. Yeah, well, a uh, that you know licensing that yeah. stuff is, is super expensive. B, I don't I don't think you have that many people in the games industry with enough taste to really pull that's them, a, put together. That's a I think dumb that is something. Argument. Well, there's been a, I, there have been licensed.
licensed songs and, and games that have been just kind of like, well, you choose, like, it's a bunch of fucking dubstep or, like, you know, it's kind of like. But it's know. like, I'm talking about, like, in, in it's narrative. Nickelback at the end of a, a Call of Duty but game. But that's not, or that's not about the, like, that doesn't, it's like, well, you could say that's a bad choice. Like, you can even think of one that abstractly is a good choice, but it falls flat. Dragon Age 2, at the end of it, they licensed actually Florence and the Machine game. But what was weird was they took her, or excuse me, song, they took her vocals off of it and then added orchestration that was Dragon Agey and used, I think, a theme of one of the characters. What? It was a weird choice. Was it, it wasn't okay bad. or just, no? It was just weird. Yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, especially anything from the last generation or two of... Does Shenmue have mm-hmm. any? Shen- no, it's all... Shenmue yeah, should. Shenmue should have, like... Well, especially um, for a game that takes place in Asia exactly. in 1986. And it's based on, like, those sorts of movies. Fucking crazy. Sleeping should Dogs have crazy... Uh, it does have licensed music, but it doesn't have a theme. Like, even... You could almost rule this one out, but even Saints Row... Um, their oh, use of Kanye's Kanye West, West power. power that is that is one of the best use of any licensed music in anything ever. <laughs> when you're a retarded fat ballerina jumping out of exactly. an airplane <laughs> to, to power. <laughs> well, it's uh, well, Spec Ops the line at the title screen. It has uh, Jimi Hendrix's uh, uh, national anthem. The, oh, yeah. uh Red, right? Well, what's uh, the yeah, All Star Spangled yeah. Banner? Yeah. I mean, which that's not really. That's just. But it's it's a thing, use but... of it's you know, uh, and they're trying to. We'll, talk, we'll have to talk about them more next. So week. Yeah, any of y'all, uh, Boy Hattie Nation. At Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitter, but uh, holla at us at our website. And uh, if you can think of a really effective use of licensed music in games, yeah, that would be an interesting mixtape yeah. to make. And again, our rules are not composed for it and not well, like something in a soundtrack. We need to have a music and games podcast someday, and that could just be the kickoff for that. It's going to be a 10 minute conversation. We just had it. I don't know. Well, I know. What's that? Whatever. No, 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 no. All right, friends. Once again, you have listened to the Boy Hattie podcast. Um, y'all, uh, your thoughts and feelings on The Walking Dead were what the fuck, The Walking Dead. <laughs> so I'm not going to read your Misery response. is the river of the world. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty great, though. Um, uh, as always, thank y'all for listening. Uh, com at boyhattypodcast on Twitter. And we will talk to y'all next week. Take care, guys. Atop the crags and cliffs, the air is thin. So we'll find a mountain path on down the hill.
Muddy ground.